Hi, this is Caitlin McFarland. And this is Emily Gibson. And we're the co-executive directors of ATX Television Festival. And you're listening to the TV Campfire. This season, we'll be bringing you some of our favorite panels from past festivals, along with behind-the-scenes commentary and some of our fondest memories about putting it all together, while also giving you an inside look to what's happening with this year's virtual festival, which we're calling ATX TV From the Couch. It's like a flashback episode and a spoiler alert all rolled into one. So get back on the couch, pour yourself a drink, and enjoy talking TV together. Hi, Emily. Hi, Kate. (laughs) Yep. Five weeks out. (laughs) Five weeks out. Do you know that we went from saying eight weeks to six weeks? You skipped seven weeks. And so the fact that it's now five weeks, I have issue with. Well, to be fair, I think that's my fault. Because you, thanks, appreciate that. Uh, (laughs) You were saying eight weeks when I really knew it was like seven and a half weeks. And I never really corrected you because I didn't want to scare you. Because I put in my personal calendar, like how many weeks out. I've done this every year. So starting like 10 weeks out, I can tell how many weeks to the festival. And so that week that we, that Friday was going to be seven weeks, you were still saying like eight weeks, seven and a half. And I never fixed it. I don't think, I guess that's the difference of like, we could do it in days, but like, I wouldn't say I would be eight weeks until it was seven weeks, until it was six weeks, until it was five weeks. Like I don't need the half. Well, I think it was because you were saying eight weeks when it was like seven and a half weeks and I just didn't want to scare you. And then all of a sudden, why no, but I didn't, but you were still saying eight. And then when it got to six, I was like, she can't be saying seven. She needs to know that it's six. So I should have corrected you earlier. No, no, no. But we're still... It doesn't matter. But like (laughs) if it was seven and a half weeks, I would still say eight until it was seven. I would skip the half is my point. So until it was actually seven, I would still say eight. Does that make sense? And you were saying eight and I didn't tell you it was seven. It's still my fault. Oh, it was six and a half and I was saying eight is what you're saying. No, I think I'm confusing myself. Anyway, you were saying it was a week less when I knew it wasn't, and that's my fault. And then finally, I was like, I can't keep this from her anymore. And then I changed it. And now I feel like I made you lose a week. It's hilarious, because I actually don't think it was wrong. It's just like most things, different ways of doing it that like, I just would have skipped the half. And so we just skipped saying seven because you say six and a half. I still would have said seven until it was six. <laughs> That's fair. I just wouldn't say Those that. halves are very important to me. The halves yeah. are very important because it gives me a few extra days. They're important to me because I'm living in week seven before it's week six. And as soon as you start saying six and a half, it's basically six. Well, when this releases, it will be five weeks to the day. So you can decide right now if it's six weeks or five weeks. It's up to you. It's six weeks right now. Great. It's six weeks for me. This is Monday for all the insiders, and this is being released on Friday. And so Emily would say five and a half, and I would say six until it's five. We have solved all of it. (laughs) Great. And now we solved that world problem. What's What's the next world problem on the docket? None of the time matters at all anymore, and nobody has any sense of it. And it's going very slowly and very quickly all at the same time. And I think that is like all of our like virtual checklist to do's 
during this time is like, what can actually happen now? What has to happen now? There's like no real sense of like how much time we have to do all of this. We have made some decisions, I think. What decisions have we made? We're going to be on YouTube. Yes. yes we're going to be on YouTube. Correct. We are yep. working with YouTube live and working through ATX Festival channel. So it will be living on youtube.com backslash ATX Festival. We are working on our registration and things like that. For all new listeners, this is the virtual version of the festival that we are calling ATX TV from the couch. Correct. And it will be happening Friday, June 5th through 7th. Five weeks from the day this comes out. I can agree on <laughs> Just that. Just circling it back. I can agree on that. Uh, and yes, new information about this festival that we have decided is that we are working with YouTube. We like them. We've worked on their spaces. They're being very helpful. And we have a channel and all of those things. Our registration site will be coming out shortly if it hasn't already. That will be through Eventbrite. That is mainly just so we can send you reminders. We've got a couple of pieces of programming that I'm not going to say now, even though I think they will be released this week. And all of our partners are being very helpful. It's, it's great. Like, I do think we've made some decisions in that form during quarantine where time is not something I can, either of us can have a sense of. Because when you asked me how my weekend was, I don't know that there was a weekend. Although I am trying to differentiate it with my food ordering. That, you know, is very important to figure out what days of the week you're ordering from which places. You did discover not a new restaurant, but you at least tried something new this weekend or went out on a limb. Yes, we went out on a limb. We were going to do barbecue because we haven't gotten Texas barbecue during this time. For all Austin-y people, you may or may not know of Franklin's, which is a American treasure uh, and the best brisket in Texas, according to many people. You know, you decide. But normally it's very hard to get Franklin's. It's probably still hard to get Franklin's, but because you have to go stand in line or order an obscene amount of it in ahead of time. Right now, Franklin's is on a three-day ordering system, something I found out on Saturday, where three days from now, you can order as little as three pounds and go pick it up, which we're planning on doing this weekend. But since we couldn't do that on Saturday as planned, we went to decide what else we should eat. And, you know, we've got it in some basic categories, burgers, chicken sandwiches, Tex-Mex, Asian food, all of those things. And I said, well, if we're not getting barbecue, like, can we get something different? And so we were looking at Italian and Mediterranean, but then we found Sawyer & Co. here in Austin, which is a Louisiana kind of New Orleans Cajun restaurant. And so first we ordered shrimp po'boys, gumbo, and boudin balls. But then when we drove up, there was a giant sign that said Saturday had crawfish pickup. So while sitting in the parking lot, we reordered part of the crawfish <laughs> boil and then waited for 15 minutes until they brought us out some mud bugs, which were delicious. I also learned that my dog likes to eat the heads, Dexter. Can you post a video on the ATX Festival Instagram story of Dex eating the crawfish? Because it was very I cute. Can. So it listeners can cute. go to that and see one, how cute Dexter is. And then sure. him trying something new too. Yeah. He he enjoyed it. I did have to limit him because Sunday was a little rough on him in the digestion category, but I won't go into it. Oh, poor, um, kid. <laughs> poor kid. But it was fun to do something like truly different than just like the staple takeout things, 
which was great. And then on Saturday, we went back to the Staples and went to Matt's El Rancho and got some some Bob Armstrong queso dip. Oh, nice. How did it travel? It traveled very well. That's the one thing that I'm wondering about all of these food places, because when you talked about going to Sawyer & Co., I love their grits, but I don't know how well grits travel. And also, you were getting dinner and not brunch. Not that you can't have grits at yep. dinner, but there's a few things. Sure, sure. I could have ordered grits. I will say the French fries and the fried okra did not travel as well. Yeah, that makes sense. As the other things. The Bob's Armstrong, we zapped it a little bit, but it was very good for the queso. They are kind of shorting you on the chips, considering those are free when you sit down at the restaurant. We were a little... Noted. I, next time, ask for an extra bag of chips. Noted, noted. But then we made mezcal margaritas. So that's how I'm differentiating my weekend. I will say, thanks to you, because you dropped it off to me, I got my first to-go frozen margarita this weekend, which I very much appreciate from Cisco's. And it was delicious. And I'm not normally a frozen margarita girl. But you had told me how good it was. And then you graciously brought it over to me. So good. Also open container laws out the window during quarantine, apparently. I don't know how Texas will ever go back to that. We're still not going to open liquor stores on Sunday, but you can drive around with open containers of things because that's how we exist. It's pretty intense, to be honest. Like the self-regulation is is pretty crazy. But yes, I was happy to bring you a frozen margarita and some and some breakfast tacos. It was very much appreciated. I loved all of it. Shout out to Cisco's. So uh I, actually pretty typical of me, but I started rewatching Friday Night Lights. I started watching my rewatch in season four. So let's transition a little bit. So we've talked about food during quarantine. Now, quarantine viewing, quarantine check-in on viewing is a big is a big thing. Yep. I think most people are, you know, are you revisiting? Are you finding new things? Are you finding old things that you never watched? You have decided that Friday Night Lights is the the old thing that you need to relive. Yes, but here's the deal. I have rewatched season one numerous times. And as you know, and people that know me well know, my binging habits are not what other people's binging habits are in the sense that my binging is like, oh, I watched an episode or two today. And then in three days, I'll watch another episode or two. And then I'll get through a season. Well, the problem with that is by the time I finish rewatching season one, and then we'll rewatch season two. And we all know as much as we love Friday Night Light, season two is a little rough around the edges in some parts. By the time I get through that, I'm like, now I need to take a break for a while. So I never make it to season four and five, which that's when Matt Loria, dear friend of the festival, comes on, dear friend and ambassador. Michael B. Jordan, who's now megastar. Superstar. And I had never rewatched those seasons before. And so as opposed to starting from season one and knowing by the time I got to season four, it was going to be the year 2023, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start with season four. It is so good. I know you're making me want to start there. It's so good. I'm already now starting season five, which means I've watched it very quickly. And yeah, one Michael B. Jordan is just That's as good as you week. think he should be. Yeah, it is. I watched That's a lot less of Friday. than a week. That's yep. a yep. very big deal you're, for Miss Gibson. Yep, you're correct. You're correct. I watched four episodes on Saturday. That's a lot for me. That's a lot for you. Also. I mean, we already knew this. Matt is incredible. He's so good. I know. He's a very talented young man. From Kingdom and Dickinson and all the other things in between, parenthood, as Luke Cafferty, he's just a beautiful soul that does some bad things. But I really enjoy going back and rewatching it. Also, one more fun fact, that 
the Alamo Drafthouse offices moved into the high school where they film the Dylan Lions. So that high school is now the Alamo Drafthouse offices. So it's really fun to watch all the things that they film there, like the outside in the hallways. That's very cool. So those are my fun facts at the moment. I think it is. And and you're on, I mean, I'll talk about what I watch too, but given today's release being one of our major reunions of all time, Friday Night Lights has obviously had many reunions at the festival. So you're on point. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I thought so. I thought so. Not that I did it because of that, but you know, it does all tie together. Yeah. I mean, my quarantine check-in, especially from last week, I have finished season two of The Leftovers. Nice work. We did not go into season three this weekend. We're starting tonight. Okay. Season three. The plan is to watch two episodes a night and finish by Friday because there's only eight in season three. Oh, I forgot that they shortchanged us. There's only eight. But you guys also connected to ATX programming. We did it twice and off cycle during the year premiered season two at the Paramount, which is how I came to love the Murphys and Carrie Coon. You guys, Kevin Carroll, I think he's on Snowfall right now, but he is, I forgot. I'm so sorry. I apologize. I forgot how good he is. And the Murphys and the Garveys are just, I mean, they're kind of terrible, but they're also (laughs) kind of my favorites. There's, you know, they're dealing with a lot. There's a lot going on. And Dowd. Oh, she's so good. I will say this on this podcast for hopes that somebody else will do it because I don't have an idea for what they should do. But if not, I'll find something. And Dowd and Margot Martindale should have a buddy comedy, best friends, sisters, I don't know what show because I love Margot Martindale so much. And Dowd in season two, I want to kind of give a spoiler, but like she's just got some great lines, her relationship with Kevin. And I just think the two of them would be delightful. We had talked about Two people that should play their daughters. Do you remember who we said? Carrie Coon. Carrie Coon and there was somebody else, but because I grabbed Carrie oh, Coon. Oh, the girl from uh, Better Call Saul that you love. Oh, Rhea Seaborn. Yes. Yep. Rhea Seaborn and Carrie Coon should be their daughters and or also best friends. And as a foursome, they should they should do something together. I realize there should also, you know, be other things happening. But I want to see it. I'm also deeply having just finished Better Call Saul, doing the full rewatch during quarantine to catch up for this season finale. I'm totally head over heels in love with Rhea Seaborn. Kim Wexler, you guys, you told me. I didn't really listen. I didn't think you were wrong, but I didn't listen. (laughs) Sometimes it just takes a bit. Yep. And I just, I'm obsessed. I'm seriously obsessed. I I did The Office. I I finished last week season two of Legacies in my morning viewing. The office also told me that they were delightful people. Well, my favorite part was when you started trying to ask me about season three. And uh, I was very confused for a little bit until I realized that you thought that there was a season three already out and that there wasn't yet. So you caught up pretty quickly, much quicker than you thought you were. I did. It was a very good quarantine show. And then I think the last thing in terms of this week would be that Little Fires Everywhere. I have watched the finale on Saturday morning. Okay, you did watch the finale because last week you had not watched it in time for us to chat about it. Yes, I made you and Jen stop talking. I muted Jen on a group Zoom, the power, (laughs) the Google Hangout power. It wasn't Zoom, it was Google Hangout. But you can mute people. It was my first time doing it. I was scared that she was going to talk about things I hadn't seen. And so I muted her and then she kept talking and the whole group was like, you're muted. (laughs) 
was very aggressive yet really funny at the same time in a way of, you know, you could have just like hung up on yourself to get out of there, but instead you decided to mute her instead. And then you couldn't unmute her and then no one could figure out how to unmute her. So she it was has a little to bit unmute of a thing. herself. I, that is what we learned. If you mute somebody on Google Hangout, the only way that they can speak again is that they unmute themselves. The problem was she didn't realize she was muted because I aggressively shut her down. <laughs> but yes, I've seen little fires everywhere now. Now, did you see, because now I've read a few articles about the, it's not really a twist ending, but a different ending than the book. Yes, it, yes. Did you see that coming? No, I, I wouldn't have known that they, it, everything else was fine in terms of, do you mean like who started the fires? Yeah. It was funny because a couple of weeks ago, as somebody who's read the book versus you who had not, you asked me if I had remembered who started the fires. And I was like, yeah. Problem is you also find that out like at the beginning of the book. Yeah. The thing that you, that is different about this is that it's like the book and this one and the show both do a there's kind of a mystery, but like the whole time I was like, it's not really a mystery. Like, I think I said that in the first podcast we did too. Like it's playing on the idea that you're trying to figure something out. And in reality, it's just more like watching these two lives or multiple lives, but like within the town. So their twist of it definitely made it more of a mystery. I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. I didn't hate it or anything, but I don't know that I fully got there with it. Now, the other problem I had was I watched the press links to the first seven. So I oh, saw the first yeah. seven about a month ago and then just watched the finale kind of on its own. And I think that may have hurt my experience. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, especially, I mean, I was pretty much week to week. And then I guess I watched the first, the first three came out at once. So I watched them quicker and then week to week. So you get in that pace and you get in that flow, but having a month between the penultimate and the finale, that would be really hard to get yourself back in there. I think that I, I did struggle with that. I did enjoy the finale and the way it closed up. Has there been any mention if there could be a season two? The interviews that I've read with Liz and that's Liz Tiglar, who's ATX advisory board member and showrunner. Good job. You're welcome. Have basically said no like she did the book, they did their story. And especially because the characters of Mia and Elena, Carrie Washington and Reese Witherspoon is the way that it ends. They're very much going separate ways and to bring them back together. Like you don't really have a show unless they're together and to bring them back together, where would they go? What would they do? It doesn't feel right. Like how that would work or at least I never watched season two of Big Little Lies, but at least Big Little Lies, they're all still in the same town. So that kind of makes sense. Whereas for this, you'd have to bring basically Mia back to Shaker Heights and that doesn't feel right. So that doesn't mean there won't be. I mean, ultimately, I guess you could follow, you could decide who the spinoff is and either follow yeah. Mia and Pearl or Bibi and Myling, or I guess that might have been a spoiler. I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> good job. <laughs> good, good work. Good work. I mean, not a full spoiler. You don't really know how it all happens. Yeah. Uh, you could follow like one of the families basically and see if there's ways to connect them. But I wish more shows like Big Little Lies stuck to the limited series concept and didn't add to it just because you can. Yeah. Like when it is a book and it is closure and it is like, this is what 
you know, the story is. Some things allow for a spinoff or a continuation, but I, I would, I wish more places actually said, no, this is it and kind of stopped. Yeah. Well, getting into this week's release, which if nobody read the title, is our Gilmore <laughs> Girls reunion from season four. I thought we could talk a little bit about reunions and ATX's relationship with reunions. And it made me kind of think like, how did we get this reputation <laughs> for reunions? Because like a lot of people, that's what they know us for is past things, reunion things, you know, that sort of deal. And starting it in season one, ultimately, I think the reason that came to be must have just been that since the beginning, you and I have said that the programming of ATX is a third past, a third current, and a third premiere, and that that past could be a reunion, a canceled too soon, a never picked up pilot, but it's things that are over. So season one, we had Friday Night Lights there. It had just ended. So I don't know that I would call it a reunion. No. And we also didn't have Kyle Chandler and Connie Britton that first year. So it was, I mean, all- Or Taylor Kitsch or Annie Palicki (laughs) or- (laughs) We had a lot of people. You guys, we had Michael B. Jordan. (laughs) It's also true, which is funny. We had so many people. It's a big cast, but didn't have those people. So it wasn't, I mean, I wouldn't have looked at it as a reunion to us. It was more saying goodbye to the series, I feel like. What episode did we screen that first year? Do you remember? I do. It was the finale of the whole show because we we were going to do the pilot and the finale. And we found out day of through bad communication that we were only allowed to show one based on, it was in a parking lot, it was outside. So based on the sun setting and the sound ordinances of the neighborhood, the sun would not, it would not be dark enough to show an episode until it was too late. Like we could, we couldn't have an hour and a half of programming. And so on the spot day of, we picked finale. And I remember being sad or aware that Scott Porter was with us that year and the pilot is a big episode for Scott Porter and the finale isn't. I was just very aware of that. We also had people across all episodes and writers and, but you know, all of that, but yes, we showed the finale that year. But I think, I mean, starting with people are already nostalgic for that show, but knowing that we wanted the past to be such a big part of the programming, those first three seasons of the festival, we definitely you know, had highlighted a few, a number of shows and all in different ways. I mean, some were bigger casts, some were smaller, you know, compilations of people from those shows. I feel like we may have called them reunions, but we looked at them more as past programming almost this than reunions. This is my question. This is my question. So the first year we had things like, we did have a Firefly, like we had two writers come and, and yep. show an episode of Firefly. Friday Night Lights had ended. We had some other, uh, we did a One Tree Hill little thing. Had it, was it ending that year? It, I believe it was over. I believe One Tree Hill was over. Yeah. Yeah. Everything we did year one was small. And I can remember the line being Friday Night Lights fans are just as rabid as fans of Firefly, but they had nowhere to go. And so this concept of like being a super fan of a show that was over, I I don't think year one had a quote. I don't think we called anything a reunion year one is my memory. I could be wrong. I would have to do a deep dive. No, because we also did Life Unexpected year one with, but I think it was just- Liz Tiglar again and Brett Robertson, Sherry Appleby, Ksenia, 
so yeah, I mean, they were really just lookbacks. We did, yeah, we did, I don't think we called them anything. But year two, we did start calling, even though you can judge them if they're actual reunions, but we did like my so-called life and party of five. Now my so-called life didn't have Claire or Jared and party of five didn't have Matthew Fox, but it did have Lacey Chabert and Scott Wolf and a lot of other people and the creators, but we called them reunions. I think year two. Well, and year two was when we did Friday Night Lights with Connie and Kyle, right? That's true. Yes. So that was, that was kind of our bigger, bigger cast, or at least the two leads. And we'd still, that one was a big deal because we surprised the, we didn't announce them. So we surprised the audience with them, which was very cool and had a moment. Like, I remember that was the feeling that like we had done something like Twitter or whatnot. Like there was live tweeting and like gasps and tears and it was like a big deal my favorite part of that is so basically we had set the stage and we had david hudgens was going to be moderating it writer producer atx advisory board member and so he was going to bring out the cast one at a time and intro them and one of my friends was sitting in the audience and she didn't know what was happening so basically he called out all the cast, except for Connie and Kyle, but there were two empty seats. And my friend was so mad because she thought it meant that two people hadn't shown up and she was livid about it and was like, livid on our behalf. And then Hudgens shows a clip that's, you know, showcases Connie and Kyle. And the audience is like, why would he show that clip? They're not even there. And then he said, we have a surprise for you. And they came out and it was so good. I mean, everyone was on their feet. Everyone was crying, including the two of us. And that was the one thing. Yeah, including Connie. And you and I sat on the stairs at the side of the State Theater and watched the whole thing. And that was beautiful because that was the first thing in two years of the festival that we had actually seen. Yep, exactly. But yeah, I guess it wasn't until we did an almost full Roswell reunion year three. I mean, I, I do agree potentially even not calling it a reunion. We called it Friday Night Lights, the cast diaries because we're cute like that. We're so clever. (laughs) but with Connie and Kyle, I guess that did start to set this reputation. Cause that was the thing we did start to call things reunions, but it really wasn't, it was just because we were showcasing past and doing them in these various groups. It was not until season four with Gilmore girls where there were 17 of them on stage. And it was with the exception of Melissa McCarthy, it was a full reunion of a giant show including the townspeople, that this like cemented this reunion location, destination for reunions. Well, and crazy enough, it could have been like 35 people because we cut it off at that 17 and people kept emailing and reaching out saying, I mean, and they were actual people that were maybe not series regulars, but were definitely guest stars that came in and out of the show a lot that we were like, we just can't have more people on stage. Zero people are going to be able to talk if you put these many people. Well, cause then we had Amy and Dan and were they the only two creatives on stage? They were the only two on stage. Cause Helen yeah. Pye was there too. Yeah. But, but she, she was in the up. audience. Yeah. Got it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to look back. Like I was trying to think of some of my favorite ones and obviously like there was the West wing for me, there was rescue me. And then we started doing writer's room reunions. So the shield was like really cool. But I think in looking back, the other thing that happened with us is a timing thing of it was a time, it still is a time, but it was the beginning of a super time for like nostalgia and this idea of like reliving things that you loved. But it was before, ever so barely, before the reboot 
became so popular. Yep. But it was at the time where people could, they could start revisiting the shows easier, I would say. Like they, it was, I mean, people before that were watching things on Netflix via DVDs, but this was about the time where people, where Netflix started like really streaming these old shows again. Yeah, well, Gilmore Girls, we announced as a reunion, and then it added to Netflix, like, between when we announced in November and the festival in June, it got on Netflix in that time period. Yes. Which changed things. Oh, absolutely. So people, because I remember when it announced that it was coming to Netflix, people went crazy. And about the time that we announced that we were doing the reunion, and then you had time for people to not only rewatch the whole thing, but you had this whole new group of people that had never had a chance to watch it before that had always heard about it or wanted to, or just caught one or two episodes that could then sit down and rewatch the whole thing. I have friends that lost like months of their lives. Nope. Like a month of their life watching the whole thing, just start to finish. (laughs) And that's all they did. It is a good rewatch. I think that those are definitely parts of it. And that that's the thing over the past nine years that's really grown is both be having a place to watch it now between Hulu, Amazon, Netflix, and beyond, like you can watch a lot of your favorite shows. Whereas before you'd have to either buy the DVDs or set up a recording on TBS or Freeform or something like that. But yeah, that, that nostalgia thing, like I think about that a lot, like the power of that, like the power of the things that you loved at certain times in your life, be it music or TV shows or movies, but like revisiting them, how it, it is kind of like time travel. Like it, it kind of takes you back there. And I mean, obviously people talk about it all the time with like a song, but I think TV shows and movies do that too, to be like, oh, I remember like high school or younger or whatnot, who you shared it with. And all of that like translates when you do something like a reunion and you get them all back together, both for the people in the audience and the people on the stage. Like that's always been so fun for us, like to watch casts that love each other come back and relive these moments in their lives. Yes. I mean, watching people greet each other backstage in the green room in the hotel lobby, honestly, when people arrive, it's really fun to see people see each other for the first time. And also because there are a lot of casts like the Ugly Betty cast and the Battlestar Galactica cast, those two keep in touch really well, but they don't all because of life get to get together at the same time. So I thought Ugly Betty was so fun because they all still see each other, just not all together. And then I feel a lot of that with the Battlestar cast too. So then to actually, for them to all be able to sit down on the balcony of the Stephen F. Austin Hotel or, you know, go out to dinner together and actually sit and all be together, you can just see the love and joy that they have for being all in the same place. And it's just like, they instantly go back into this place of like, we were a family and now we're still a family. This is just like a big family reunion for us. I agree. It is, it's, it's, it is the joy of why you put in all of the hard work to to do it. I think, you know, one of the questions that we sometimes get asked is like, what's the hardest part of doing a a cast reunion or a, a show reunion? I mean, I think it's the most obvious thing. It's the scheduling. It's the contacting and the scheduling and the coordinating of It's not just like, oh, we want to do a reunion. Let's pick a day. It's like, for us, it has to be on a certain set of days. Then you've got to figure out with, especially in June, normally, graduations, weddings, a lot of times babies are being born. You've just got a lot of things to sort of juggle. And it's interesting when we try for things and they don't work one year, but we then get 
full year ahead to start coordinating another one. But then what happens? Like I think about like 30 something. We had tried for it one year, but we couldn't get uh, Marshall Herskowitz and Ed Zwick. So we did, what did we do with Ken? Oh, Ken Olin came that year for This Is Us. He did This Is Us. And then I think we had him sit on a couple other things. Yeah. And we, but that was the first year we tried for 30 something. And then it just didn't work out. Like Tim Busfield had to do something else. Like it just didn't, it was the 30th year anniversary of 30 something that year. And we pulled the plug on it and then did it the next year and called it 30 something years after 30 something. Cause again, clever. Um, We're so clever. But that year, Ken Olin being the one person that came the year before had some unforeseen conflicts, was planning on coming and then didn't come the year we actually did it. But that's just part of the coordinating thing. You can't, whatever they say about like, don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. Like you do the best you can and then you just see where the cards lie. This year took us a couple of years to get scrubs yep. and it was finally time to do parenthood. It was all done. And then COVID. <laughs> and then fortunately, they're all still game to come back next year. So that's good. It is also interesting talking about the reunions, the ones that you have to find the perfect timing for certain ones because there are people that their experience in filming was a little harder than some of these other shows. And they need a little bit more time before they're ready to be back together. And those are also very interesting to watch kind of the behind the scenes when they come back together and you can see a little bit of nervousness and you can see a little bit of, they're a little unsure about being together and being back on stage together. But the only ones that we've done are ones where people are willing to, I'm not going to even say put things behind them because we don't honestly know all the ins and outs of what went on during filming 10, 15, 20 years ago for some of these shows. But you can tell that there is still a very deep love for the show and for each other that sometimes you just need some time to let go of. I mean, it's like any high school relationship. Sometimes sure. you just need 20 years of not looking at each other on Facebook right. to then be able to come back together. Which I do think, I mean, not to imply in any way that that was Gilmore Girls, but it was interesting that Gilmore Girls was 15-year reunion. Talking about how that one came to be was we did try for it year three, and got put in touch through Stacey Oristano from Friday Night Lights because she had done Bunheads. She graciously introduced us to Amy Sherman Palladino the fall before season three. Amy was game to do it. So we decided, well, you need Amy, Lauren, Alexis, and Kelly as the base. So we went to Lauren next. And Lauren at the time couldn't do it. Was interested, but couldn't do it. So we basically said to Amy, let's try next year. And then that year, year three, two weeks before the festival, we were doing a parenthood thing with Kadams and Ray Romano and some other people. And Lauren contacted us like two weeks before and said, hey, can we do that Gilmore Girls thing? <laughs> and we were like, <laughs> I remember mm. that so clearly getting that email. No, we cannot do that two weeks before, but you're welcome to join the parenthood panel. So she and Peter came and were surprise guests, kind of our Connie, Kyle Again, season three was surprise guest for Parenthood, but we started a relationship with Lauren that year. And so really one of our earliest announcements ever was like festival happens in June. That fall over the summer, we had confirmed Amy, Kelly, Lauren, and Alexis. And so we announced them in like October, November prior to season four. And then because 
we announced it so early and we just, for us, truly just needed those four to do what we wanted to do. It gave basically all of the fall and spring for us to get Scott Patterson and Jared Padalecki and Milo and Matt Zucri and Keiko and Yannick and Liz and Liza and Jackson and Todd and like everyone. I mean, we had Danny Strong, like it was, but it gave us that time because we had our base to really like build on it. And then we got to do fun flair things. Like that was the first year we did stage design and had like all these signs from Stars Hollow. And I went to Costco and bought a ton of Pop-Tarts oh to hand gosh, out yes. to people in line because Amy had this idea about Pop-Tarts and we were into it. We got cold brew coffee passed out to people. So we just played. It was our most flair-like reunion because we just had time to build it. Well, and one of the most fun things we did um, was have Hep Alien, the fictional mm, Gilmore Girls yeah. band, uh, play at our outdoor screening on that Friday night, but we kept telling the three members of Hebalian, Todd, John, and Keiko, that were all coming, that we didn't want to announce it beforehand because we were a little worried about the hysteria that would happen. And they were very much kind of against that idea. They're like, but no one's going to show up. No one's going to be there. And we're like, look, we're going to announce it about an hour beforehand. And we're not worried. People are going to go. It's easy to get to. They will be there, but we're afraid if we announce it too early, then we're not going to be able to get you guys there. We announced about an hour beforehand and it was, I mean, I'm not going to say it was Beatlemania, but it was, it was close. It was crazy. (laughs) It was crazy. It was insane. It was so much fun. As soon as they arrived, they're like, okay, I get it. I see. I see what you guys did there. And so it was so fun to have this surprise performance by this fictional band. And they ended their set with the Gilmore Girls theme song and the whole crowd is singing along. And it was just like, One of those really lovely, amazing experiences. Well, it had Amy on the front row with Sutton Foster from, because we did Bunheads that year and like they were front row taking pictures and it was the night before the Gilmore Girls reunion, which truly, if, if Hep Alien in the parking lot was not Beatlemania, which maybe I'll give you, it was in the Paramount Theater the next night. Like there was a roar and 1,200 people packed to the brim in my mind, hanging off the balcony. <laughs> it just felt <laughs> so intense and so electric and so alive. So it's part of the reason, part of the reason we're releasing it now is we were doing Parenthood this year, but which will now be 2021. But also it's just so who we were. And Lauren Graham is currently on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which is airing on Sundays, which is delightful. delightful. She's just delightful singing. Yes. I didn't know Lauren could sing. It's very fun. So we just thought we'd walk down memory lane and release this guy via podcast. I don't think we've done that. There is a video on our YouTube channel, but it's first podcast release of the reunion. I love it. So with that, everyone enjoyed the 15-year reunion of the Gilmore Girls and 17 members of Stars Hollow. Introduce your moderator, Jessica Shaw from Entertainment Weekly Radio. The creator of this show, Amy Sherman Palladino. And one of three actual Gilmore Girls, Lauren Graham.
Well, welcome everyone. This is incredible. Please, Luke, please, please, please. Those were the first five words of Gilmore Girls when it premiered on October 5th in 2000. And in the first two minutes and 41 seconds, Lorelai and Rory managed to reference Macy Gray, Jack Kerouac, RuPaul, and West Side Story. I remember watching that first episode, and by the time Carol King sang, Where You Lead, I Will Follow, I was hooked, and I imagine you all were as well. Uh, how could you not be? A mother-daughter who ping-ponged some of the sharpest, most exhilarating dialogue ever on TV. A mother's mother whose singular stare seemed to hold about 20 pages of dialogue. and a town full of sometimes cranky but always compelling characters. And now I, someone who scored 92% on How Well Do You Know Stars Hollow online quiz, and beyond, okay, easy, 100%, and beyond excited to talk to these extraordinary women. So, welcome. Amy, let's start with you, um, the, the overlord, the brain, the brain trust. Uh, I, like, I like overlord. Okay. <laughs> we're off to a good start. I'm enjoying that. <laughs> Tell me where you were, both literally and sort of psychically in your life when you came up with the idea for this show. All right, I had just decided I'm never gonna work in television again because I had just come off of a nightmare job and I was like, I can't, I just don't, I can't. And uh, my husband said, shush. And then he said, just write something. Just, just write something you wanna write. Don't worry about if it's gonna be anything fancy, just write something. And uh, I had a meeting at the WB and uh, R.I.P. The W.B. Yes, the Frog. Anyone remember the Frog? No, you're okay. You're eight. You don't remember the Frog. <laughs> Anyhow, um, and I went in and I pitched a bunch of stuff to them, and and the last pitch I had because they were bored and they were like, oh, that's great. Is she ever going to stop talking? And like the last thing I said was, and I got this idea about a mother daughter, and they're more like friends and mother daughter. And they said, okay, uh, we'll buy that. And I walked out and I turned to my manager and said, I don't know what that is. I don't, it's a mother, it's a daughter. I, do they roller skate? He's like, well, figure it out because they just bought it. And, um, and then we went on vacation to Connecticut. It's a long story. Mark Twain's house, we were decorating. He's got a red room. It's a, not important. And we, we were staying at this beautiful inn and it was leafing season uh, for all of you who are eight. That's, it was leafing season. Uh, fall? Fall? Wow. <laughs> Writer! <laughs> it was fall, and, and there were pumpkins and hayrides and people asking where the, you know, where you can go buy your pumpkin, and, and I thought, this is not real. I'm from the valley, everything's brown, nobody talks to each other, you get in a car and you drive fast and you don't look at your neighbor. And I didn't understand the concept of people like talking to each other and caring and wanting a response. It was strange. 
And that's when I decided, well, I'll put them here. It seems nice. There's trees. And, uh, <laughs> and over the weekend, I said, oh, we're staying at an inn. Maybe she works at an inn. I, you know, I was, look, I was desperate. And, and then it's I better was better than roller skating. I literally, mean, you know. Roller skating would have been good, too. And then I thought, okay, well, now she's got to have parents, and they shouldn't live too near. So what's kind of, oh, Hartford's kind of close. Okay. And uh, literally, we're like, what's the main, what's a big business in Hartford? Insurance? Great. Richard will be in insurance. And by the time Monday came, it had all fallen into place, and then we flew back, and that was it. I understand. I think I read somewhere that you wrote the first few scenes on the hotel, on the inn stationery. Yeah, I still have. Well, I wrote the kitchen scene with uh, you had to lick a spoon. That's all. I, I'm sorry about that. Um, I don't know why. Um, but that, I, for some reason, I, that I had an idea for, and I wrote the dialogue, and we actually uh, shot it. And where do you keep that that original script? In a box somewhere where you put boxes. I don't know. I have to get it out and see if it brings me joy. And for Lauren, Alexis, Japanese. and Kelly, I would love to hear when you came across this, this script and tell me about your auditions for these roles. Are, Lauren? Are you oh. All three. Um, well, uh, <laughs> this is how Alexis got the job. Um, I had heard about this script, but I was on another show called MYOB for NBC, a half hour show. Yeah, exactly. And, and um, so I wasn't available and also I was in New York. It was one of the, it's like, it's like when they tell you, you know, you should act unavailable and that will make a guy like you, but you can never do it because you don't want to. And, but this was a case where I was actually unavailable. And so it kept coming around and, and I feel like that helped so much, <laughs> but, and, and finally, um, they had seen other people and they said, okay, we know that you're on this other show, but will you come in and, um, and, and audition? And it was, uh, so I did everything in one day. I met Amy, we had a little work session. I believe you said to me, up till then I had gotten every job I ever got by kind of doing the lines, like kind of like adding my own little twist. Yeah. And um, I came in, um, and maybe tried to do that, and, and uh, Amy was like, well, you're not gonna do that, right? You're gonna do it like I wrote it. And I was like, all right. But, um, <laughs> but it was very fast, and, and, but I just wanna talk about the first time I, I read it, because I hadn't read it when I kept saying I couldn't come in, because um, I couldn't, and, and finally I read it, and something really uh, clicked. And it, it, I, I remember Christopher Reeve in, in an actor's studio saying, uh, the way you know a part is really for you is if you can't stand the idea of anyone else doing it. And that's how I felt about this. I was like, ooh, this is mine. I can't stand the idea of anybody else doing this. Thank you. <laughs> but I had that kind of a strong reaction. And so I came in, Amy told me to do the lines as written. I um, <laughs> tested for uh, the studio and the network and you were already cast. I didn't, I didn't meet Alexis until we started work. And then, um, and I'm almost done talking, then, um, although we have like three hours, so I'm gonna really take my time. Uh, <laughs> but then, 
and I think it was my birthday also, um, but there was one other uh, very talented actress who's worked a lot since then, but she was from New York, and we, it was just the two of us testing together, and she was from New York and didn't have a car, and asked if I could drive her back to her hotel, because we kind of knew each other, and I did, and on, on the way back, my old brick Motorola cell phone <laughs> that we had, back in those days, kept ringing, 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 and I felt really nervous, and I didn't want to answer the phone, and so I took her to her hotel, and I feel like the story's taking a weird turn. And then, <laughs> and, and, but it was that fast. It was just like, and again, using the dating analogy, like sometimes it just works out. And it was, it was, and then I got the job and like went to Canada and met Alexis and here we are. Oh God, it would have been so great if you had answered the phone and gotten the job in front of her and been like, I got it. Oh my God, when do I leave? And she's just sitting there. I have no car. I'm in a strange city. I don't have a job. But can I have a ride somewhere? That would have been yeah. so awesome. Alexis, how about you? Um, I was at NYU, and I had just uh, become interested in acting. I was in their film school. And... Um, Let's see. Uh, I was uh, modeling to help pay for school, and uh, I had a cold when I got this audition because I had been to my last ever modeling job, which uh, was in the middle of winter and involved large like Home Depot buckets full of water being uh, thrown at my body so it would splash off. Um, and then they would take pictures of like the water frozen in air. and. <laughs> And there were buckets of water like thrown at my like my head, and, and what was like, the product? What was it for? Um, it was just fa like a fashion editorial. Just fashion. Yeah, <laughs> I think some of the pictures online they're pretty funny because I look like a poor miserable little like I'm just like is this really happening? Maybe I'll maybe I'll tweet one or something. I think they're so funny. Um, but um, so that was my last ever job. And I was like, this modeling thing just really isn't working out. Um, plus, I had put on my freshman 15, so it really wasn't working out. Um, and so I had become interested in acting because through the film school, I was uh, allowed to go to the Stella Adler Conservatory to film the acting students do their work so they could watch it back and learn from their scenes. And so I just started finding myself having all these opinions about what the actors were doing. I was like, oh, it'd be cool if they did it like this or like that. And at the same time, I was going on a handful of auditions that my modeling agency sent me on. So this was like, my fifth or sixth audition. Ever. I, ever. <laughs> so. <laughs> I've been at it for like 25 years already. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, no weirdness, nothing like, it's, it's cool. Uh, I really, just really didn't know what I was doing at all. Um, but I got the script and I had the wonderful experience that actors have when they read something and instantly know who that person is and what, what voice they have and what they're thinking. And um, similar to what Lauren said, you know, you, you have that instant connection. I, I knew who she was. So um, I went in with, with a cold and I did it. And then they had me come back like four or five times. And um, I didn't I would really know what was going on. But then I got the job. <laughs> Kelly? Okay, I just did it the regular New York actor way. Uh, yeah. 
What does that mean? Anyway, um, I just, uh, I hate, I don't like to audition. I don't think I audition very well. Uh, I, I You're wrong. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong, but... Um, <laughs> Now, I, I swear every actor, uh, in New York, in, in L.A., they're in their cars, in New York, they're on the bus, and you do the best audition in the world, like, 20 minutes after the audition is over, on your way home, and you go, oh, I, oh, I could have done, you know. So, uh, because I love this like they did, I mean, I, I'm just looking at this, and I go, I own this woman, I know who she is, uh, I love these words. And so I had ample time, which sometimes you don't. Sometimes you get a script like on a Tuesday and they want to know, if, could, could you come in and they're going to put you on tape on Thursday? And you go, I, you, it's two days. I mean, what does this thing start? Oh, in three months. It's going to start in three months. And you go, well, couldn't you have given it to me a little sooner so I could like look at it and think about it? This one, I actually had time. And so I worked that, those scenes, I think there were two scenes, and I worked them and worked them to the point where I actually knew them completely. You don't do that, you just carry the pages because you don't want them to think that you're not gonna be even better if you get the job. And um, fortunately, uh, Amy uh, and uh, Gavin, I guess, were actually in New York. You know, usually you just do tape, and it's so nice it's, it's, there's a real advantage if the people are in the room with you. You're, they're going to put you on tape anyway so that they have it, but when you just send a tape to California, that's all they've got. So um, I felt like it was a really good audition. Um, I, I've always felt like I jinx myself if I said that's a really good script. So if I really like something, I go, thank you, and I walk out like... <laughs> um, as, but I, I couldn't resist it, and I did say, I, it's, it's a very good script. And then I left. And then I didn't hear anything, and, uh, and I kept going, did, did, did they call? And I think that at some point they called me and said, oh, yes, we liked her very much. And then I didn't hear, and I didn't hear, and I kept calling my agents and saying, well, what's happening? And they're saying, well, they're, gonna, they're testing this weekend, and so next week they'll, they should know they're testing the two leads. And the next week, I don't hear anything. I said, what happened? They said, well, they weren't really happening, so they're testing some more people. And I'm going, what? And time kept going on and on. And finally, I just said, I, I guess, you know, it's over. I, 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 don't, I guess it's not going to happen. And I guess they called out there, and it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. She, oh, she has the job. We, uh, so I had the job. You know? <laughs> And Amy, do you remember these moments of seeing and, and after writing these, I mean, so specific, it's impossible as, as a fan to even imagine other people playing these roles. Did you have moments where you felt like, yep, that's my Lorelai or that's my Emily? Well, you know, it, it, the, the weird thing about this show, as, a, as opposed to like a lot of the process where they want you to bring in sort of a, a cavalcade of people and then you do the whole thing of like, okay, I'm gonna bring in the person that I want, and then I'm gonna bring in somebody like with a horn in their head that they're not gonna like, and then I'm gonna bring in somebody who, you know, has a prison record, and, and, and so that they're automatically gonna look at the person that you want and go, oh, well, okay, that person, you know, which can totally backfire, and then you end up with the horn in the head person. Um, but this one, it was so specific. I'm sort of queen of writing uncastable women because I don't know why, like the hard parts, and when when we when Alexis walked in, it was sort of like, first of all, she was sick, and she was looked at me like, okay, I'm sick, really, I'm just sick, okay, and I'm like, she hates me, I love her, I 
love, I want the one who hates me. And she was so like, like different and a breath of fresh air. And like, I'm, it's like, that's what Rory had to be. Rory had to be something you'd never seen before. And so she was, we, and we all knew, like she'd never done it before, who knows? I mean, it's a big role, can she handle it? And it was sort of like, well, we're either gonna crash and burn or we're gonna be very smart people, you know? And luckily, we were brilliant. Um, and then Lauren, they kept handing me Lauren's picture and I wouldn't look at it because she was on this other show. And I'm like, I don't wanna fall in love with someone that I can't have. Um, I've done that in my life a lot. And I'm not gonna do it here, where there's money on the line. Um, and then literally we did, we went through some really good actors and they, and they all came in and it, it was like, yeah, it would get on film, but it wouldn't be that thing. And finally the casting director was like, you just gotta sue Lauren. And, and I think there was a whole conversation about vacation, where is she back from vacation? And we, like the clock was ticking, like we were leaving on Friday like she was booked and everybody was booked and we just didn't have a Lorelei. Um, and then she, I don't know, came in like a Wednesday or something like that and she finally walked in and it was sort of like, she sat down, we talked, we read, we worked, she walked out and we're like, and we're done. Like there was, there, it was, there was no even like conversation afterwards. It's like, and there's Lorelei. And it was just lucky that the two of them had the blue eyes and the dark hair. I mean, just that was, that was, I don't know, that was a pixie dust. I don't know how the hell that happened, but. <laughs> Um, but you know, you can do a contact and a, and a dye job and who knows, but it, it, that worked out beautifully. It, it, Kelly was, she walked in, it was the same thing. Kelly walked in and, and there were other very good New York actors who had come in and they had read and the other people that I was with were like, oh, we should bring her back, we should bring her back. And I said, you can, you can bring them back. They're not gonna get the part. I mean, you can, you can have them train in all you like. We can give them a soda or something, but uh, if they need it for their self-esteem, we're good for that, but none of these broads are getting cast, and people started to get a little pissed at me. I'm like, look, I'm gonna know Emily when she walked in. Kelly walks in, she sits down, she reads, she left. I'm like, and Emily. And we were done with Emily. We always wanted Ed Herman from the very beginning. That was sort of like the dream. you for dying. I fucking hate that you're dead. We love you so much. Well, tell me what it would... Anyhow, he showed up, the president came in, because he played the president a lot. It was the same president, but he played him like five times in like six different movies. I don't know why, like kind of after you play him once, don't you say, I've already played that guy. I know you want me, okay, I'll do it in Annie once and sing, but then I play him twice, once he sang, once he didn't. Um, whatever. And so he walked in, I'm like, you're not playing the president. And, um... He was just like, he, he was it. Like he walked in and he says, do you want me to read? And I'm like, you don't have to read. I just, you, you can just stand there and let me look at you. Um, Mr. President. And then he left and then we had, our, we had our family. It was, you know, usually studios and networks give you a lot more shit for this. We were very actually really lucky because Warner Brothers was, they got it. They got it the minute, they got it the minute they got the script, and I didn't even develop it there. They, Peter Roth was like, I read the script, I loved it, let's go. They, they understood, and they understood when I said, I can't bring you 14 people. I got this, I got her, that's the family. They were like, go, just don't spend too much money. That's all they said. <laughs> Tell me about the first day on set. I mean, Lauren, I think that's so interesting that you and Alexis met once, you know, 
once you were already there, what was that your your first scene like when you you had to you had to go there? You had to be mother daughter. In the mic. Well, so the funny, sorry. Well, so the, we had to confer. Is that true? Because of Dean, remember? Oh, yeah. There was another Dean. There was a Canadian Dean. I'm sorry. There were two Canadian oh, wow. Deans. Wow. And then oh, we yeah. realized, you got to go American. Uh, you're going to get letters. Um... Uh, if it was a walk and talk, boy, what a, uh, what do you call it? Not a premonition, but a sign of the future. Someone, <laughs> hi, I was an English major. Um, because really what we did on this show, which I think uh, then to me, I started seeing it everywhere. I know Aaron Sorkin was doing some walk and talks on West Wing, but just two chicks walking and talking about like paint colors and like, you know, books we read and stuff. But we were, we did this walk and talk to the school and take it from there. Um, <laughs> well, because it was uh, my first scene, um, I didn't, it was, I think we did the scene a lot, a lot of many, many takes oh, yeah, because I didn't know how to uh, like clear the camera. <laughs> like, so we have to walk next to each other, but we both have to be on camera. So I would just like walk right behind Lauren because I didn't know. And um, so she would kind of have to grab me and like kind of make sure I was on camera. Um, so you can watch me do a lot of manhandling yeah, on Alexis she, in the early episodes. Yep. <laughs> and I told, we talked about this earlier, but I think part of the like, wow, they have instant chemistry is like, I was literally like mauling her all the time. We I was always like, like, what are we you know. doing? <laughs> I was like, no, no, over here, over here, look, we made it. <laughs> Yeah, and then acting 101 is like, you know, where you stand, you have to stand on your mark without looking down at it, and I didn't, I was never on my mark, like, the first week of shooting, so she was always kind of, like, scooting me over, like, during the scene, like, trying to help me, um, so that's what I remember, both, of, and, and then I learned that you're mic'd, when you're mic'd, you're mic'd all the time, so, like, whatever you're talking about. Like Robert Durst. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So um, everyone can hear you. <laughs> Kelly I was like talking about like my cat or something, and the producer came up and like was like, "So your cat, huh?" <laughs> it's like never mind. Kelly, how much did you look in the mirror and just practice Emily Gilmore's looks in preparation for those dinners? I, I don't look in the mirror. I, I I really don't. I you know. I remember even Dan Palladino at some point said to me well into the run, uh, no, he, he said to, told the director that was directing the show to have Kelly do that look that she does. And I'm going, I, I, I don't know what that look is. I do a lots of looks. I, I, um, I actually kind of prefer doing that. I mean, I love dialogue. Don't ever take dialogue away from me, Amy. But um, I, I, don't, can, I don't have that power anymore. <laughs> that's, you will. We're gonna make it happen. As collectively, we're gonna make this happen. Right? Yes. See? Anyway, I, I no, I didn't practice looks. I, I kind of, that's, that amuses me. I, I mean, I'm always amused when somebody just goes. 
was yeah. going to say, if you had to do it now, could you do it? Like, yeah. I don't even know what it is. There are probably about 30 of those looks. I don't know All what right. they are. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can say so much without saying anything. <laughs> I can't. I have to say a lot. I have to talk all the time. I have to use a lot of words just to say hello. Hi, how you doing? I'm fine. It's cold outside. Why is it so cold outside? Why is it so hot here? Why is it so hot here? I've been hot for four days. All I do, all I do is walk around and that's, that's hello. Speaking of which, let's talk about some of those scripts. I think like legendary, like these, these long, you know, walking and talking, these, these monologues and these, you know, I mean, were these scripts like 20 pages longer than other, show, other hour long shows? At least, they were at least 20 pages longer. A regular one hour show is about 60 pages and ours were regularly 85. And uh, it evolved, I mean it didn't, st I feel like, well the, the pilot was its own kind of thing, but they, they, they just got longer and, and <laughs> we almost, it, they, we n almost never cut anything. So you could never say, well you're not gonna use this scene because th we used them all, we just had to speed it up. And, and, and then, because it was kind of just me and then us, and then by the end, every single person in the town was like on whatever that thing is that makes you talk fast like so speed this thing yeah so so they just got longer at the end well when we did when we did the pilot they they we did what uh, it's called a pilot presentation which is supposed to be like you do pieces of a pilot which i didn't understand the whole concept because like how can you watch something and know if it's not a whole story like what are you picking up like i really like the scene in the shower but what so i I crafted a pilot presentation, a shorter version, that was a full story. Um, and then it was about, I don't know, I can't remember what it was, it was like 64 pages. And they kept saying, oh, you gotta cut it, you gotta cut it, that's too long, that's too long, it's too long. And I said, I, I can't prove this yet, but I feel like it's not going to be too long. And we shot the pilot presentation, they're like, great, we love it. It was a full thing, it was a full story. They're like, we can show it as a pilot, except we were 15 minutes short. 15 minutes short was legally too short to put on the air. So we had to like literally go and insert scenes into the pilot that were not planned to be in the pilot because they didn't listen to me. <laughs> listen to me when I, I know very few things in life, this I knew. So. There were a lot, a lot of talks when we went into series about like, okay, well clearly you can't shoot any more pages than we already shot, it's impossible. So there was a lot of talks about like, what are creative bumpers that we can do? And like, little pictures, can, can we have like, art drawings and like, and I'm like, for what? Like a Frasier was on then and Frasier would do like little things before each scene. I'm like, but Frasier's already doing that. What the, we're gonna just be like, what, Frasier? And it's like, hey, Frasier, send us your art drawings. And it was, it was just weird, and, and they kept trying, and so every week I just added a few more pages, and, added, and every week they were like, okay, yeah, okay, what about, is there like, are there animals or music things that we could put in that, could, and finally everybody just gave up and realized the page count just had to go up, and it, it did, and I'm sorry. And what was that like for, for you all, and probably Lauren, especially you, to, to memorize that and, you, you know, to speak at that, like, rapid-fire pace? It's a little bit the way I am anyway, which I think is part of the weird mind meld that we just had, and that's the luck of working with the right 
person and 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 to, I'm just gonna keep talking about dating. It's so weird, <laughs> but it's just like you just fell in love. It's just how it was, and and so that wasn't difficult. It was, um, you know, just the pure page count per day. I have a really good memory, which then became a problem because Amy was like, well, you have a really good memory. I'll just give these pages to you in the makeup trailer. And um, so it was, it was hard, but there really is a music to the language that kind of, um, it's challenging, but it's not, um, it, 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 uh, it doesn't not make sense. You know, if you follow it, it's like, well, you couldn't sing that note. That wouldn't go in the song. You sing it like this. So, so it was, it was, what was challenging were the, the walk and talks and trying to get everything perfect because one of us has a chance we're going to flub a line or the cameraman's going to trip or, so there became this kind of marathon athletic you know, holding your breath of like, please don't, we're almost near the end, we're almost near the end, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall, and like, and, and still keeping that kind of light and bubbly and with the feeling of like, this is just coming off the top of our head, those were like the challenges so that are particular to this show that are unlike anything I've ever done, because it's, you know, it's really like theater, it's both technical and emotional um, and just a, a t more language than most TV or film has. But to me, that was like heaven. And, and Amy, was there a moment where a, a scene that you all shot where you thought, nailed it, this is, this is the show I wanted to have? Um, no, yeah, of course. I mean, you, uh, yeah, I, the, the whole pilot. I, I, I mean, I knew from the pilot we had the show. I knew from that dinner table scene in the pilot we had the show. That was it. Like, that was it. Like, there's no questions about it. If you like the dinner table scene, you're going to like Gilmore Girls, and they'll put it on. If they didn't like the dinner table scene, then don't put us on, because that, the core of it, the interplay, the way that the, the, the sniping between Lorelai and Emily, the way the, the, the past came up, the way Rory was sort of caught in the middle, like, that was the crux of our show. We just got faster, you know, and... and you know, I, I, the first year, I will say, was uh, particularly brutal on these two because in a new show, you don't have the world yet. So nobody has a established love interest. And no, we didn't know how well Chilton was going to work out. And we didn't know, and we were building the town. We didn't have Kirk and Miss Patty's was there from the pilot, so we had her, but we didn't have all those crazy things and we didn't, hadn't done our festivals yet and stuff. So it was literally the two of them in every fucking scene <laughs> of the entire first season. And I remember, I, I, it was like a, a, right before the Thanksgiving break, the two of them came up to me at one point and both their eyes were like, really wide like and it was sort of this like we're so tired is there anything you can do because we're just we're just so tired and it was like i'm like like please hang on please there's gonna be scenes without you i promise and and i'm gonna get you out of scenes together but until that thing you had to see the two of them together because that was what was going to make the audience fall in love they were going to either fall in love with those two women walking through town talking about you know, shopping, or they were going to tune into something else. It's funny because one of my favorite openers to the show was in the first season that has no or one or two words of dialogue, but it's with Lorelai and Rory, and they, you know, the alarm goes off, and then they get up and they put the. I mean, you all probably know it: the waffles and the coffee and the hair clip. Uh, and that we shot 
because we were short. <laughs> we were short that episode. We needed time. We were. Yeah, that's why. That's why it was there. Is there a line that you all get quoted back to you the most? Oi with the poodles already. <laughs> or, I'm gonna get this wrong, Huzzah for the Goldbergs, is that the other one? Is that what it's called? Um, I don't remember whose line, Oi with the poodles already. It, it was my line, obviously. And I remember w w why I said it and where I was. I don't. <laughs> Can we it get the was, origins it, of Oi with the Poodles already? Well, I, it, look, it was the Jewish Goyim show on television. Like, there, it's, it's this extremely white bread Goyim family, and all they did was talk and argue about, like, like Jews. They were like a bunch of Jews. So eventually I'm like, she's just going to start talking like a Jew. So it was, there was an Oi in there. And I just remember when she said it, and it was like, wow, this is, this is, there's something so wrong and so right about this moment that... You know, why did I say why? Oh, hi. Why did I? Why did I say it? And what? Why did people? Why do you like it so much? <laughs> we were at dinner. You? Yeah. It was a. It was why a, do you remember? You were at the Gilmore House. <laughs> I just remember you were at the Gilmore House and you were sitting on that couch. You all don't remember. Do I need to school you in this? Yeah. It's the. It's how you get people to stop talking about other things when they're like yapping on and on. It's how you shut people up. You right. say, "Oh, with the poodles already," right? That's so funny. Oh, so now you think it's funny. Oh, I get it. All right. I love the delayed reaction. How about you, Alexis? Is there, is there a line or a moment that people want to talk to you about the most? That one. That's the, that's the favorite, I think. Um, is there any other one? What's Copper Boom? <laughs> said so many things <laughs> in college first first day of college I left for college and I said copper boom and why did I say it <laughs> what no. but why those words why And oh, okay, so she's telling me when I go out the door, don't forget to wear sunscreen, so copper tone, no. Anyway. How about you, Kelly? I, no one ever quotes a line to me. I don't know that, do they? Do they? I don't Online, know. they probably do. Huh? Online, they do. Oh, online, they do. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm of another generation. I don't do that. I do email, I text, and I make phone calls. And that's it. That's it. Every once in a while, I'll watch something on YouTube, and somebody sends it to me, and I have to watch it. No, I didn't know that. I, I, I didn't. I do remember, all I remember is early on, and when Emily was just so harsh, well, I guess she always was, but, but, but she was just tough and how many men would come up to me and go oh boy you remind me of my wife and i <laughs> you know i literally said every time not meaning to i went oh i'm sorry <laughs> can you imagine being married to emily i don't know you what are the lines what 
Buy me a boa. What are they? I don't get any of them. I can't hear them. I like, I like when you said, honestly, Lorelai, it's not your looks that keep them away. See what I mean? I love just when like she said stuff like that and then just walked out and Lauren just had to like take it. <laughs> Something about when I had Juicy on my butt. I do remember that. Yes, I, remember I, I do remember that. Uh, I remember. Yeah, I, you can have I, yeah, I remember, tasty on your brassiere. I remember that. Because oh. I, was, I was totally confused by... But by, you said tasty instead of juicy, I think. No, I don't, I don't know what... But I just saw her walk away and, and whatever the line was. I, but, but I'm going, why do you have... I, I thought it was juicy. It but was juicy. Juicy, she had juicy on, on her ass. On your ass. Did I say ass? No, or, you didn't say I ass. Probably, rear end or something <laughs> like that. On your derriere. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's, it's so hard to think about the Gilmore family without acknowledging Ed Herman. Uh, and... Uh, We're going to show something, but um, Amy, I wanted to see if you would just say a few words about him before... Well, it's, it's really um, crappy that he's gone and we miss him so much. And I, I wanted to try and put a little something together and it was really hard because at the end, like our first pass was like two hours. And I'm like, do we have to do the panel? Can we just show moments of Ed? How's that gonna go over? Um, but I, I think I speak for all of us when we were so surprised. And I don't think any of us knew he was sick because that was Ed. You know, Ed was the patriarch. He was strong. I mean, Ed was the first one to say he was gonna be at this panel. That's how, that's how like fucked up it is that he's gone. And I just miss him and I am so grateful. I got to work with him and I got to hear him say my words and I got to see him yell at me at dailies because I was making him do too many takes. So he would <laughs> complain on the dailies because he knows I would sit in the editing room while he says, we're not puppets. We're not puppets. <laughs> and and he certainly was not a puppet. Um, he was uh, just a, a drinking, loving, knew everything in the world. He was, he was our Mr. President. Remember, TV campers, this year, due to the pandemic, ATX Festival Season 9 is going virtual, June 5th through 7th, 2020. It's ATX TV from the couch. For information about the status of the festival, go to atxfestival.com or follow us on social media at ATX Festival. Now, back to the panel. To totally shift gears. Let's bring out right, the rest of Stars Hollow. Uh, let's start with Dan Palladino. Producer and writer extraordinaire. Scott Patterson, Mr. Luke Dane. Milo Ventimiglia. Keiko Agena, Lane. Yannick Truesdale, Michelle. 
Liza Weil, Paris Geller. Matt Zucre, Logan Huntsberger. Liz Torres, Miss Patty. Jared Padalecki, Dean. The American Dean. Danny Strong, Doyle. Jackson Douglas, Jackson. Todd Lowe, Zach. And John Cabrera, Brian. And uh, a chair for Ed. So I can't tell, uh, first of all, welcome everyone. This is extraordinary to see everyone here. Everywhere I have turned here um, in Austin at the ATX Festival, people have still, the show has been off for, what, eight years at this point, still debating Dean versus Logan versus Jess. I mean, what do you guys make of that? Look, I've always been very vocal. I'm Team Dean. I mean... I was going to say, honestly, I was, I was Team Jess. I love Matt as well. I was always a Team Jess guy. I loved Milo. I thought he was cool and sexy and handsome. And, Thanks, uh, man. Uh, but it's, all, it's, it's one of those tough things, too, because, I mean, it really has nothing to do with us. I mean, you know, and then Rory and choices and all that, but it's like we all know each other, and, and it's hard sometimes, you know, like... Logan was a dick. He kind of was a dick. And, but it's like, but Maddie, Maddie's the coolest guy on the planet, you know? So when we're all around, it's like, no, I, I don't know, I'm rooting for everyone. I saw, you know? I saw something that Amy said recently about the right boyfriend came at the right time. And that's kind of what I feel with, with, with Dean and Jess and Logan, is that they, they each brought something out in Roy that she needed at that time. So I'm gonna steal that. But um, I was also kind of team Jess. <laughs> I, w I will say this. I, I will say this. If Milo wasn't here today, I'd have totally been Team Logan. So. I feel like it's really unfair when they ask me to pick one because they're all such amazing actors to work with. It would just, it just is, it's unfair. So pick one. I think they're mad at me now. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no I, I think kind of, kind of what Maddie was saying. I think she had, you know, different stages. And then, like, there was a new man, a new great culmination of maybe the three of us that, that knocked her socks off. I don't know. <laughs> it's true. What would that be, like, Des, I, Des Ogan or something like that? <laughs> Des Ogan? What would that be? You know, I think I have the final word on this. None of you are good enough for Rory. Thank you very much. Not true, not true. Well, Scott, let's talk about Luke for a second. How did you, how did you find that place of, of, of being grumpy, but also just very 
uh, heartfelt and emotional and I mean, wh where did you find that? Because it okay. could have just been like a big grump in a flannel shirt. Absolutely. I, I, you know, the Gilmore audition was the second audition of three that I had that day. And I was late for the third one. It was to play opposite Carmen Electra as a fembot. <laughs> and I was late. Did Amy write that too? And I, I would have watched had, that show forever. I had, <laughs> I had parking issues out front. We were on the west side, remember the place. And I wasn't a happy camper at all. I was late for Carmen Electra. I was going to get a ticket. It's like, let's go. I'm not getting this job anyway. The script is too good. I'm a nobody. And that's where I found it. I found it in, I found it in the waiting room, actually. <laughs> And Amy, when you saw when you saw Scott, was it like Boom. that's my done. We're done. Check it off. Stamp it, ship it. We're done. <laughs> it was it was a real. It was just I, I'm telling you I I. The, there's reasons that shows work, and nobody can tell you why. It's it's literally the stars align, the right person walks in the door, and I I had that with this show, because you can take the greatest script and the best director and the hottest talent in the world and put them together and you're like, why does this suck? You know, and it just, it was for, it was, it was my turn that day to be really, really lucky. I'm curious how it's been for all of you since Gilmore started airing on Netflix and you know, <laughs> when all of these, when all of these, life-changing for some you know when all of these new fans came to the show who you know were babies back when it first aired <laughs> sorry rage sorry <laughs> uh, oh, God, well I mean definitely like out of the woodwork a new generation of fans started coming up to us in the streets I mean with the internet everyone knows what we look like unfortunately <laughs> and people are coming up to me and Amy and they were the next generation, they, had, they were in the embryo when the show premiered. So Netflix definitely brought that out. And for you tech geeks, it's the first time you can see the show in widescreen format on Netflix. So that made my geek brain happy. But definitely like there was, it was like sort of an explosion of new, but my, my nephew kept telling me we're trending. I still don't quite understand what that means, but we kept, we were trending on Netflix, trending on Netflix, and it's, it was definitely an explosion. We went to um, the new Bobby Flay restaurant one night, and I got um, toasted. Wow. Uh, <laughs> we were hungry. I don't know. It was new. It was new. And, and I, I feel very defensive now. Um, I don't even remember what I had. But I left my credit card there, and I had to go back the next day and pick it up. And when I went to get it, there was this, like, weird line of very young girls like skulking and pretending like they're staring at the walls and like they're just, they, I don't even think they were supposed to be cleaning something and they were just, and the girl's like, oh, we looked at your credit card and I'm like, oh fuck, did you charge something? Like, did you all go on like some big shopping spree and she's like, I oh, don't know, I just have to tell you like, you Gilmore girls? And I'm like, yeah, and she's like, it's her, it's Gilmore girls. And like, there were like four 20 year olds and I, all I could say was like, you're too young. Like how do you, but they did, they did. I didn't get a free meal or anything out of it. Okay. Damn that Bobby Flay. Damn you Bobby Flay. <laughs> Liza uh, Paris, one of my favorite characters. <laughs> Can you believe that you auditioned for Rory? 
Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, I did. I, I went in and, and read uh, for Rory and met Amy and Gavin, and then uh, I got a call, and they were like, they, they really liked you, but they, they, they don't think you're quite right, but if, if it goes, then maybe they'll, they'll find something else for you to do, and that was, that was really lovely, and I'd never heard anything like that before, so I thought that was really nice, and I thought that that was probably the end of it, and then the show went, and uh, they wrote Paris, and that, and, and you know, m the younger version of myself was really freaked out that that's what they wrote. <laughs> um, I just couldn't, I couldn't fathom that they would think that I could do that based on <laughs> the other thing, but, um, you know, now I think it's very flattering, and, and I'm really glad, and it just, yeah, it, was supposed to just be three episodes, and then it just kept going, and it's, yeah, it was very nice. And, and there was talk about cat, the, all the casting here, but we also had the opportunity, once the show was going, to write specific characters for specific actors that we knew. Liza was one of them, because Amy had seen her early. Danny, actually, for Doyle, was one of them. We knew Danny from before. We thought he should be Doyle. Um, Milo, we, Amy found him, and we just created the character for him. Yeah, literally, so. I saw Milo do uh, some, or it was a pilot that didn't go, and I just said, I don't know what the character is. Um, I just want him before somebody else gets him. That's all I, and it's only child, and we're not hanging up the phone until that happens. And, and again, like at that time, they were, we were at Warner Brothers and they were really sort of like, all right, sure. And we got a lot of freedom in the casting of it, um, which I think that it's so much, and today they really try and clamp down on the casting and there's tapes and there's discussions, but it's gotta be a gut thing. You've gotta like see somebody feel that you can write for them. And that's somebody you wanna keep uh, writing stories for, and, and that's what happened. I feel, I feel like I remember that too when I came in. I, I don't really remember if there was Jess yet. Like there was Jess, but it was just, it was just kind of like, was, I was. Well, Matt was the same thing. Matt yeah. was like, I knew that I wanted a college boyfriend. And we had talked a lot about like, what kind of guy, like this needed to be the first time that Rory didn't just have, like get that attention of that guy right away. Like that, you know, it, was, it had to be the first time that there was a guy who was like, I'm, I got girls, you're cute, but I got four over there. And, and deal with, Kind of a know, dick, kind of a dick. <laughs> kind of a dick. Kind of a young college man is how I would like to look at it. Um, and so we, we met Matt, and I don't even think you read, I think you may have read Jess' sides when you came in, or some other sides. I think I actually auditioned uh, twice for two different roles over the course of a couple of years. And, and then it was either two or three times for different roles, and then, then Logan. Yeah, and we wrote a special scene, like a Logan scene, to bring him in and say, this is the guy we want to be, Rory's boyfriend. But it had nothing to do with anything. We just kind of wrote a scene, because we didn't, we can't bring him in reading, like, just lines would be just strange and weird. So, I wrote something for you for nothing. <laughs> I never do that. I'm totally mercenary. I'm all about the Benjamins. That's all I can say. It was a really good scene. I remember that. <laughs> Danny, of course, uh, you have tremendous success right now going on with Empire. I wanted... 
Doyle would be Word. so proud. What do you think would happen if Cookie wandered into Stars Hollow? Oh man, I don't. Uh, if Cookie wandered into Stars Hollow? Yeah, she would just mess shit up for everybody. She would storm into rooms she's not supposed to, and yeah, it would be pretty crazy. I'm wondering where you all think uh, your characters would have ended up, might have ended up, you know, down the line. I just want to say, I don't dislike Bobby Flay. I... <laughs> I felt judgment. I felt like, no, it just, like it there's seemed so many like, restaurants in New York. I know, no, but I think of it as a, like a chain, and, and I don't I, think of you as like a chain I, person. So I just a lot to me. Boy, I watch Bobby Flay, and like I, just, I like him, and there's now, nothing wrong with Bobby. Because Lauren said, or I think either. I think I Rory like would be a journalist. Still, I think Rory would be. She'd be working hard. She'd be still on her her highly ambitious path, career path. Uh, post academia, academia, and uh, or, or macadamia, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's all I know. Uh, I actually think if if Richard were still with us, we would be pretty much in the same place we were. <laughs> I I think we were very comfortable with that life with the country clubs and the right people and all that, and and still probably still fighting the battles. But now. Um, now Emily's a widow, so that's a whole other world. So I don't know where she is. I'll take that too. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's two. For me, there's two scenarios. He's uh, Luke has either um, just stayed in town and is, you know, knows the grindstone. The other scenario is he's closed it down and he's moved to a lake. I don't know why. Forty, the, the number 40 miles outside of town on a lake just popped into my head, and I thought, that's where he ended up. And he's got, he, he reopened Luke's Diner, and it's a bait and tackle shop. He sells camping gear as well. He fly fishes in the nice weather. And maybe- Does he have a girlfriend? No, 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 no. He's, I, I'm getting there. Kind of roundabout way. I, as I was about to say before, I was so incredibly rudely interrupted. Um, what was that? Lorelei is coming out for a fishing lesson. Fly fishing. And camping. Are you writing this down, o Amy? Overnight camping. Yeah, I got it all. I got it all. <laughs> and that's just, how, that's just what popped into my head. It's complete fish out of water, no pun intended. Uh, and that's where, I, that's where I saw Luke somehow. Um, I think Jess is just out being Jess, creating cool, and then walking away from it when too many people show up. Um, hi. In my imagination, Lane is trying to figure out what kind of mom she wants to be. I think she's sort of like in between um, Mrs. Kim. She wants to be Lorelai, but I think in her heart, she's really miss, a little Mrs. Kim. <laughs> um, I hope she's still playing music with that alien. That's, that's what I think she is. <laughs> yeah, can we hear how that concert was? Did you all go? 
Well, it's a tough one for Michelle because I never really understood how we ended up in that town. <laughs> Um, but patronizing people, for sure, somewhere. Maybe in an inn that he now owns, or went back to Paris because couldn't deal with Americans anymore. I don't know. I like to think Paris and Doyle are still together. Right, right. <laughs> Ride or die all the way, baby. <laughs> I think they're really well matched. Um, and I, you know, I think that, uh, I hope that they're just supporting each other and just taking over the fucking world, man. <laughs> what's, your, what's your gangster name from Empire? What's your gangster name? D-Dizzle. D-Dizzle. Or a little gangster. in the future. I just, I love that Danny, between the butler and this, has become the voice of black America. Because... It's just like the weirdest, like I, I, I finally, they found somebody to speak for them. Danny Strong. Word. <laughs> Logan would not be working. That's about as much as I know. He would not be working. Oh, oh, wait, wait. you can use this one. Thank you. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, uh, um. Somebody sent me a book, Amy. And it was uh, Margaret Layton, I, I don't know, but it was the story of Miss Patty before she came to Stars Hollow. And I, I thought, oh, <laughs> and it was online or something. So I, I don't know where, um, uh, I think that maybe a show came into town from television and, uh, and Miss Patty had arranged it and she thought, and, and all her students and, and everybody at Stars Hollow is gonna star. By the way, I always thought she'd end up with you, Scott, because, um... No, I, I always thought that women fall in love with cold and withholding men. And, and I, yeah! I thought, I thought I was, uh, you're too young and too, you and too tall. So, so Scott, I thought, but then, <laughs> who knows? Anyway, I don't know. I, I thought that Miss uh, Miss Patty would end up uh, running for mayor of Scotts Hollow and uh, winning. And oh, thank you. And I, I thought she wouldn't know what she was doing, and that she would call Taylor at three o'clock in the morning and ask her, "What's the next checker?" And that she couldn't run the town, and that's. And then the, the, the show, the television show, would come in, and they would put her in front of the camera, and she'd freeze. <laughs> wow, that's that, that's a lot of thought. It's a lot. So that's a whole lot of thought. I'll remember that. 
Yeah, <laughs> write this all down. Uh, I think that uh, Dean uh, Forrester would probably have worked long and hard at the market and he'd have taken over Dosey's market. It'd be <laughs> Dean's market. He'd still have the apron. I think definitely married to Paris still, obviously. Come on, there's no way. And probably uh, a reporter working at a website thinking- Head of the NAACP? Yeah, NAACP maybe, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I think, that's, that's, I think that's about it, you know? And probably thinking everyone he was working for was an idiot, because, you know, obviously. And, uh, and that's it. I this one, that, that's a tough one because I, I don't want to give a non-answer, but one of the greatest things was getting the script and finding out what I was going to do that week um, or in that episode. Uh, I think I was kind of the town fool, and I swear to God that Dan what? and what Amy would sit and says, how can we torture Jackson? I mean, they, they, the different things that, yeah, the, the vegetables and the turkey and the shoe, and uh, the, the deep-fried turkey. Yeah, and the pot being dragged across. I think it was, let's see if we could make him run really fast and have to spit out a whole bunch of dialogue. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, to give you an actual answer, I would say that the vasectomy never took. There's 42 children out there, and uh, I'm actually farming children now. So, I guess that's, that's the best answer I can come up with. Hello. Okay, so Zach got to have a nice homecoming and come back to his hometown where he went to college with his hot wife and his best friend and rock the shit out of the place where he used to make lattes for people. So, mic drop. Yeah. That Something, something similar happened to Brian, I, I think. Um, yeah, uh, and I also, I also kind of always imagine that maybe Brian started, uh, like a, he had a tech startup and, you know, maybe like he, he was making a music app or something. But I, I, do, I, I do like this idea that, um, that Brian uh, is, like, he's developed a really close bond with the twins. Um, and they're kind of like almost like his best friends now. Like a, he, like a, he, uh, like a okay, now you're getting creepy. Kind of uh, can we cut him off? This is. <laughs> Amy, when you started writing the show, did you have in your mind in those early, those early days of writing, this is where I want to end up? Here? On stage here? <laughs> in Texas? <laughs> yes. Yes. I thought, how do I get to Texas? How do I do it? What's taking me to Texas? Um, I always, I always had a feel for where we were going. I, um, but you know, shows have a life of their own, and they uh, surprise you. And uh, I just sort of let it take me where it was telling me to go. Uh, I don't let a lot of people tell me what to do, but the show did, told me a, a lot. So I just got to work with, uh, you know. Uh, a murderer's row of people. Yeah, was there any storyline that you really did not see or you kind of fought a little bit and then you said, this, it just, it has to happen? No. Well, you know, a big decision we had to make was when Lorelai and Luke were going to be together. I mean, you could, you could hold it off dramatically. Yeah. 
it was, we got to a point, it was, it was about midway through season, season four that we realized it's, it's time. And we were getting sort of osmosis-like feedback from the audience, like, it's time. <laughs> it's time. So, and then when we hit that and started hitting that storyline, it kind of opened up a brand new thread of stories that went into season five. So um, sometimes the, the characters kind of, you know, Rory was going through school, so there was like Chilton, 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 four years of Yale. So her progression was kind of there. And then we kind of followed the actors as, we, as the characters were kind of leading us. And then we sometimes made the choice of, now it's time to get them together. Now it's time to break them up. Now well, it's time to bring the in. The big one was um, when Rory was going to have sex because that was painful for at me. At the time, yeah, Dan still oh, got over it. That we, was painful for me. We still tell Dan that Rory hasn't had sex yet. Um, we, you know, because at the time, everybody who was under 18 on television was just fucking, you know, and all the characters were little whores. And I'm all for a bunch of little whores running around, uh, but, you know, not, not, not my girl. And we, it, it, was, it was interesting because we weren't, like, we weren't trying to make like, a statement or anything like that. We were really trying to play the truth of who she was and that she's, it's a decision she's not going to make lightly or, you know, I didn't want her to like, get drunk at a party and it's like, woo, what happened? Ooh. Uh, I didn't want that, you know, and I, I, I and, and there was, and the thing is, we, we knew he's one, but it got to a point where like the studio and the network were like, listen, seriously, she's gotta have sex, right? She's gonna like, like is she like a nun? Like what's going on? She's gotta take her vows, gotta get her like a wimple. And, uh, and we're like, no, 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 we'll know, we'll know, we'll know. And, and when we did our storyline, I wanted it to be Dean and I wanted them to not be together at that time because I felt like there was something about I always wanted her to have that great first boyfriend. You know, that for her first boyfriend was that ideal great boyfriend. So that you struggle with that as your life goes on and you have other boyfriends and you're like, oh, the first one was so nice. And you start to think, maybe I shouldn't have left that guy. And something about returning to that and trying to recapture that, I felt, especially as she's floundering in her personal life a little bit, just felt like a really good way to send Rory, who's so thoughtful and sort of achieves everything she sort of sets out to do, to sort of like, this is not quite working out the way she planned it. So that was, that was the biggest thing, only because a lot of people were like, what's up with her not sleeping with boys? And what about with Luke and Lorelai? What was, uh, and, and for you, Scott and Lauren, I mean, did you ever, as actors, feel like, okay, what's, what's going on? Are we gonna get together? Are we not gonna get together? I just love the tension between them so much, and there's always the worry that once you, you know, that, 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 that to change that dynamic changes the dynamic, but I think it was handled really well. And, and, and then, you know, it didn't, for me, end in a satisfying way, partially because we didn't, we weren't sure it was the end. Amy was not with us the last season. It felt, you know, it, it, it didn't, I can't answer it because it didn't really end. You know what I mean? It didn't. It didn't kind of resolve um, satisfactorily. I don't think. How would you I don't have think wanted you think it? So either. <laughs> well, if I would stop talking about Bobby Flay, I the answer I would have given is I think they're together a hundred percent. 
Not just fly fishing, guy. Sorry. Yeah, so, all true. But I'm not fishing. All true. Yeah. yeah no, that's better. Got, that's better. Let's go with that. the bait and tackle uh. angle of the... I don't think I'll be a creative consultant on the movie. Uh, anyway, uh, simple story. Season four, I called Amy, three o'clock in the morning, I went over, I stood in the lobby of her house, and I said, I want Laurel. My house is a lobby, by done. the way. I didn't know if you knew that. It's got a giant lobby and a concierge. That's how I wanted to live. I still got in. Get it done. Boom, and then it happens. Boom. But you know, it couldn't happen until we knew what was gonna happen after. And that's the thing, because I think, I think TV sometimes rushes into things without thinking about what are you losing. Um, we, were very, we were very stingy with um, events on Gilmore for a specific reason, because there's so much to mine in characters, and when you jump to that next moment, you're gonna lose three or four moments. You gotta know, like, okay, if we take them here, where am I going from there? Because I could lose this, I could lose this, I could lose this. And, and it was really important when they, these two finally got together, we knew there would still be conflict, they would still be funny, it wasn't gonna be all rosy, it wasn't gonna be like, now we're in love, because there's nothing worse than those people get together and the whole, the whole next season they're like, we're in love, are you in love? I'm in love, we're in love together, aren't we lovely? We're just in love. And it was like, great, I want you both dead. So I, I, I wanted to make sure that, that Luke and Lorelai, who were people who basically had um, devised lives for themselves that worked perfectly, but didn't really leave room to include a lot of other people in it, who suddenly then decide, okay, we're gonna be together, we're still gonna have those same issues of how, now how do we, because I live and you live and we do, and you're up late and I like to be up early, so it's, it was, it was a very calculated move to make sure that we didn't just, you know, shoot ourselves in the foot. And then we're like, oh, we're sad. Um, Amy, you've, you've spoken before about, you know, having wished that they called you to write the series finale um, of the show. You weren't on, I mean, Lauren, you mentioned. Uh, but I have all sorts of like, like uh, poor me things, that's me. I mean, I, cool. there was no way they could have. Like, I wasn't working there. It would have been insane to say, Amy, come work on something that you're not contractually working on and we're gonna ignore everybody. Like, it doesn't work that way, but in my mind, it's like, I'm me. So it was like, it was, it was, like, it was hard to like, not be, be able to say cut, you know, that final time. And, and uh, so I just did it all night when it was on and I just yelled at Dan all night, cut! Cut! And he's like, please, you've got to get over this. Just cut! Just pretend! So I, I mocked directly. I thought it was kind of hot. <laughs> and then did you go, ever go and watch season seven? I, you know, I didn't, I didn't um, uh, binge on it. I've seen it because, like, I have, weirdly, I have ABC Family on a lot. I don't really know what that says about me. Um, except my TV's on too much. And they still run Gilmore on like a crazy loop. And um, so every now and then there'd be something on that I hadn't seen. And I would be like, oh, I, didn't, I don't remember Alexis's hair being like that. Um, or what, what was that? Walk and talk. And, and why wasn't it longer? But it was, so, it was just, um, I would like, so I've, catched, I've, I've sort of caught up just through having my TV on too much. Uh, 
a lot of people have asked you, I feel like in interviews I have asked you about seven or eight times what your final four words were gonna be. So I'm not going to ask you that. I'm just gonna ask, just give me one. Just give me one word. You know, here's the thing. Limburger is one of them, I'll tell you that. I, uh, for a while I thought, I'll just hold on to it in case, and then I thought, oh my God, I've held on to so long, it's the thing, it's gonna let everybody down. And now I'm just being an asshole, which is kind of fun. Um, I, you know, I, I'm holding it on to it still, um, because in my mind, I don't know, who knows, maybe, you know. But on my deathbed, it'll be like Rosebud. Like, I'll be like laying there. It'll be, Amy, what's the last four words? It'll be Mike Osiello, like over my face. Like, I'm not gonna let you die till you tell me those last four words, so. He's doing cardio with stuff yeah. on you and pumping. Don't go yet. See, I need two more liters of blood here. I've been kept alive like two extra years because he won't let me go until I say the last four words. Who knows, who here knows what the last four, I mean, Dan, do you know? Dan, yes. do you I've want to share? 15 years, basically. Am I gonna tell you? I told you Limburger, that's one of them. It's a comp, no, I, it's, it's a thing. It's a, it's a secret. And, and I mean, Lauren, Alexis, you guys, you don't, you don't wanna like pre put the pressure on? We don't know. <laughs> Alexis had me in a headlock earlier. I still didn't tell. It didn't work out, yeah. I'm not that strong. I don't want to know unless either I am saying them or I'm listening to someone say them who's in the show the way it was intended. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> otherwise, I would feel sad to know what I wasn't a part of. You know what I mean? The end. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Scott, you gave an interview recently where you sort of dropped maybe a little movie going on, and like I feel like the world blew go. up a little. So listen. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, Scott. It's <laughs> there's probably a hitman from Warner Brothers up there somewhere. Um, so I'm gonna be answering this question like that. Uh, you know, it's nothing I haven't said, and it's, it's the most asked question I get from fans or any time I'm doing any type of interview, and it's my, it's my stock answer. Um, and it springs more from a hopefulness, uh, and, um, you know, it's, it's like a love letter back to the fans, because you guys made this show, right? And now it's sort of growing exponentially with Netflix and all this, so I think it's kind of time, don't you? Um, uh, and not to put any pressure on anybody or the studio or whatever. Um, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a little, it was a little podcast. It was just this little podcast. I mean, you know, I'm with these two great, the Gilmore guys in West Hollywood in their studio. And they, you know, we were in there for a couple hours having a good old time and drinking tea and talking Gilmore and all kinds of things. Tea. And they said, tea is tea. what brought it tea. out. Tea. With, Sitting around drinking some Earl Grey. Finger up. And, you know, the question came as it inevitably does. And I said, well, you know, it's, you know, I said what I said. And next thing I know, I'm getting calls from all over the place. And, you know, it's gone viral. It's viral. 
I enjoy the viral. And it was just like, it was, uh, I was the most surprised person on the planet, but you know, it was just a little podcast. It's okay. So, so Warner it's Brothers, okay. Hitman, if you're out there, was just a little podcast, okay? So. You know, here's honestly, if, if anything ever happened and there's nothing, I'm sorry, there's nothing in the works at the moment, it would, it would, look, here's, here's the good thing. Nobody here hates each other. That's very important. That's a very important step. It would have to be the right everything, like the right format, the right timing, the right weight, the right budget. You know, it would have to be, because it, it would have to, be, it's, it's, it would have to be honored in a certain way. And, and I think that if, if, if it ever came around, I think we would all jump in and do it. Um, it's just, would you all? unfortunately, it's not happening right now. Really, it's up to Carol King. That's the it bottom line. It's up to Carol King. And she won't call me back. No. She's got that Broadway thing going, and I can't get her on the phone. Well, if, if all the stars aligned and, and, you know, $10 billion were backed up and everything, what, what is the format? That, like, is it a movie? Is it like a Netflix series? I, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I honestly don't know because it's not real right now so but it would if it ever happened i promise you we'll do it correctly that's all i could say. maybe a hip-hop version danny word all right i know all of you have uh, a lot of you have questions so i wanted to open it up now there's mics over on the sides Oh my God, this reminds me of like the WGA meeting when they were telling me we were ending the strike. We had to do the same thing. We had to line up there and ask, sit down, sit down, young lady. Sit down, young lady, sit down, sit down. There you go, all right. Not on his lap, not on his lap, there you go. So thank you, first of all. I think everyone says thank you. Um, Gilmore Girls had very low stakes and not a lot of TV, especially now, has low stakes. Um, and it was made it feel so special a lot of the time. Can you kind of speak to why you would want to tell a story in that way where maybe big things weren't happening every week, but we still cared so much about the characters and wanted to see what happened next? Because life is big, and, 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 and sometimes the average everyday things are, are more impactful than, oh my god, there's a dinosaur coming down the road. <laughs> we pitched that. We couldn't afford the dinosaur. Um, but, you know, I, my, first, my first job was Roseanne, and the motto on Roseanne was... <laughs> it was an um, unbelievable training ground because the, the motto was make the small big, make the big small. And I've kind of stuck to that um, my entire career because I, I really do believe that that is the best storytelling. It's, it's in the small moments that lives change. And the big giant headlines have got to be there to serve the small moments. It's just my personal philosophy doesn't mean it's right. It's just, the, it's just you know, I, I, that's what I do. Yeah, I mean, in the writer's room, Amy and I and the writers always work really hard to hide the plot. There was always plot, but bad plot you're kind of aware of. It's like big things that happen, but those big things don't happen in a kind of a low stakes or a low concept show like this. 
But stuff was always happening, and we always tried to make it as smooth and seamless as possible. We'd put a lot of work in the writer's room, lots of like beautiful mind John Nash writing on a whiteboard uh, before we even started writing, just to make sure that you never really saw what was coming. So when something happened that was a little bigger, it lands really hard in this show. It lands really hard, and it's often very emotional. And it just lands, I think, harder than other shows' plots do. Was there a moment that, you know, watching back an episode that you had shot that really got you? Um. I, well, I remember when, they, when the wallowing thing at the end of that one episode, that was a great episode because it was Rory denying that she had any problem and Lorelai kind of needling her, needling her, and then finally at the very end, Rory saying, I'm ready to wallow now. Really emotional impact because it went kind of slow and it built and it made everybody tear up, including me, and I have a heart of Luke, really. Because <laughs> I'm halfway modeled on Luke and weirdly halfway modeled on Rory. So, um, brother. Yeah. <laughs> so, also, the, the Rory's birthday parties, which was one of our very early shows, and, you know, it was, they really, it was just about our birthday party and getting kind of screwed up, and her, but nothing really like like she didn't go to then a cake fell on her or she you know somebody put vodka in the punch or like nothing like that happened but it all led up to Emily and Lorelai talking and Emily and and thinking like okay maybe this was sort of a togetherness moment because the Gilmores came to the house which they'd never done and they and and Lorelai said it's a really nice thing and it felt sort of like sweet and then Emily gets in the car and says I don't know her at all And Ed was there. Yeah. But okay. that, that's, that's the kind of stuff that we did, and I think we actually did it very well. Because it was, it was what feels like not a lot's happening is going to land in a moment, and, and, you, and it's going to carry you through for, you know, till next week. Okay, this actually comes from the other continent. I got on Reddit and told people I was coming. So she sent me a question. She's doing her dissertation on Gilmore Girls, so I want to make sure I get it right. So I'm going to read it exactly the way she read it for me. Um, Okay, how much thought and awareness is going into giving each character linguistic uniqueness and at the same time showing their strong relationship links with each other in terms of their dialogue? I know they weren't allowed to stray from the script at all. So how did Amy make sure that you had a strong idea about how they sounded and why? Where did that come from and how do you write it? That person went to college. That's unfair. Obviously, as far as I know, it is her doctoral dissertation. Yeah, you lost me at linguistic. Okay, what? basically, uh, from what I could figure, she just wants to know how did you make sure that every person sounded different but still maintained a relationship between each other? I'm a writer, man. That's what I gotta do. I can't, I don't, can't do open heart surgery. I got no other skills. If I didn't do that shit, who's gonna watch the show? I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. It's like you gotta, you gotta hear, you gotta hear them in your, in your head. You gotta, like, hear who the person is and know, well, this person would say it that way. And, this, and, then, and if they sound too much alike, then you're like, well, that's not gonna work. If, if, if anything can be given to somebody else, if any joke of Lorelai's I could have handed to, to uh, Rory or to Emily, it's not a good joke. Right. Because it's gotta only work for Lorelai. So that's called, you know, you gotta be your own worst enemy and, and, and be hard on yourself. Yeah, okay. and the actors feed back in that too. I mean, you, in a TV show, you have the luxury of getting to know the actors from week to week, and we writers adjust from week to week for their voices, their strengths, all of that stuff. They bring okay. a lot. They, they, 
they're in it with us equally. And just real quick, I have to say, Lauren, I absolutely adore you. And Matt, I have to thank you because I did not watch the show until it came on Netflix because I watched you with Carrie Argos. <laughs> Fell madly in love with you. Thank you. I watched everything. I'd worked my way through everybody else. I, you know, of course, I'd watched Dirty Dancing as a, you know, as a four-year-old. Nobody puts baby in the corner. I think she gets it from me. Um, and so I have to thank you because you introduced me to this amazing cast. And uh, the past few months of my life have been amazing because if life sucks, you go and you sit down and you're like, I'm going to go watch Girl More Girls. And my life is much better now. So thank you all for everything that you do. Thank you for coming to Texas and dying in all of our lovely Texas heat. I know, Alexis, you're probably relatively used to it. Jared, you're used to it by now. You know, but thank you, thank you, thank you. So. Thank you. Yes, go ahead. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. I don't think I'm the only one who thinks that there's not a weak link on the stage in the cast. And so we really appreciate all of you being here. Okay, I wrote it down. I'm horribly nervous. I'm sorry. I was wondering if Amy could answer whether the rift between Lorelai and Rory that culminated when Rory decided to leave Yale was always in the show's plan. I was also wondering whether Amy thought the rift would be partly caused by the men in Rory's life, Dean and Logan, at the ends of season four and five, respectfully. And I would also like to know if Lauren and Alexis could describe how they felt at the time about the impact of this storyline on their mother-daughter relationship. I need beer. <laughs> I need beer. Beer. Um, I remember not liking it. I remember really struggling with it and feeling bad. It just didn't feel, not that it was a, a poorly told or wrong story in any way, but it was personally, it was difficult. Yeah. As it should have been, you know, that's, as the actor and as the, as the character, I think, like, you know, it was, it was hard. But it set up something, you know, that was also important. Yeah, I think I was always used to Lorelai and Emily being the ones in um, sort of arguments, and Rory and Lorelai always got along until that point, and she was only afraid that, you know, her history was going to be repeated through Rory, but I think, um, the, I don't know, I think Rory inherits a lot of the drama that came from Emily and Lorelai's relationship, and she's literally just fielding um, emotional activity. <laughs> she's like, she's kind of a character that's formed through, you know, the experience of living with these two women <laughs> because um, there was so much but there's so much anger and hurt and um, so much to say between them and so she really was in the middle a lot and I think that's what that storyline was for me it's you know I, I don't know that I knew it from day one but you know at the beginning of a season we always sort of talk about like what are our arcs what are our themes what are we going to go through and you know the, the thing about their relationship because it was so close and it was so tight and it was so girlfriendy it was always those moments where where Lorelai had to be a mom suddenly, which Lorelai fucking hated. <laughs> you know, Lorelai wanted to be the French and wanted to be the mom, but sometimes you gotta be a mom. And Rory, who never really acted out, at some point had to act out. Mm -hmm. And she had to sort of push, push away to be able to grow and, and, and become her own person. So while I totally understand like the, the feeling of like, oh my God, you know, it, I felt like it was really important for the characters to have that moment of what is our lives if we're not close like this? Because I've counted on that. I count on it every day when I wake up and when I go to bed, 
that the only thing in the world I know that's going to be there is my relationship with my daughter or my mom. And when that's not there, what does that mean? No, it's very real. It just really stressed us out. <laughs> Sorry. Any regrets with storylines? No. It's, it's, I'm too old to regret. Really? Oh God, that's exhausting. No, I don't, I don't think so. Cause it, it gets you somewhere. And even if like, it doesn't like a love interest doesn't work out exactly the way that we wanted to, or a thing, it's going to get you someplace new and more interesting. Yeah. Um, first of all, I wanted to say, uh, okay, Lauren, like you really are eight. Seriously. <laughs> How old are you? Well, you're adorable and you're 12. <laughs> Lauren on repeat after me. I thought you were really funny. Thank you. Repeat after me. Thank you. And I want to say happy birthday to Paris and Doyle. Thank you so much. And yeah, it's Danny's uh, birthday today and Liza's was yesterday. <laughs> Paris and Doyle forever. And I wanted to know um, what Lauren, uh, Alexis, and Keiko's favorite episodes are. Thank you so much for your kind question. I don't remember. <laughs> I honestly don't. I, I don't remember. <laughs> what do you remember? I, I, I don't. Do you have a favorite? I'm just going to go with the pilot because yeah. it, it informed the whole... It's hard when show. you're in it to have any perspective and someday maybe I'll sit around and like watch and compare and think to myself, what do I think about this? But like until that day, the whole experience was incredible and certain days and certain scenes were really fun and exciting to do. And then, you know, you kind of keep going. So it's hard to look back when you're still in it. And I guess I, in some way I'm still in it. I just keep trying to answer your question, but it's, I don't remember. <laughs> Do you go back and have you gone back and watched it at all? I have not watched myself on television since like 1995. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I, I don't, I don't want, I don't really watch it. Uh, except occasionally when it like assaults me on TV and I'm like, ah, oh God. <laughs> um, I just don't find it helpful, you know. Um, Someday. <laughs> I know you're really good, Lauren. You should really check yourself out. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I, I'm actually split between the two because I think when you're doing it every episode and you're just in it in the moment, and I have to say it's the pilot. I mean, when I think back to us being in Toronto and like just discovering everything and meeting you know, each of the people that we got the chance to meet that very first time, there's nothing like that. I and do have to say, I have recently watched the pilot because as a piece of research for something I was working on, and I, what was incredible to me, especially given where, what the TV landscape is today, is for the first 25 minutes, nothing happens. <laughs> uh, all, all you do is meet these incredibly charming people, and we have an exchange at the inn, and you and I have an exchange, and nothing happens until Rory gets into Chilton. And you would never have that today. There would have to be explosions before the first commercial. And I was so drawn into it, uh, having nothing to do with me, just with the charm of the town and the people, and 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 that. I, I, I but I was really struck by how much things have changed. Yeah, I mean, Amy, what would happen if you pitched this show today? Uh, they would validate my parking, and I would leave. 
Thank you. Hi, everyone. Or they might not validate the oh. parking, too. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Hey, everyone. First of all, I just want to say um, I'm, I'm, I was born and raised in Brazil, and one of the reasons I can speak a reasonable English is because of this show. So wow. this is amazing. And my question... <laughs> and my question is, you know, Gilmore Girls is really famous for the witty, quick uh, dialogues. And I was just wondering, and this is for the whole cast, um, how was it like um, to say those lines? Like, do you, what was challenging about it, about saying them, and for you guys to listen to them and follow it, you know, not, not get too lost? Because, you know, sometimes for me it was kind of like, okay, I need subtitles for this. <laughs> so I was wondering, um, what was it like for you guys to deal with that quick dialogue? Okay. I, actually, what, you know, when I was uh, first acting, I was a dancer first, and then I became an actress. And maybe it was living in New York, or maybe it was energy or whatever. I was always talking fast, and um, very often I would be told by a director to slow down. So when I got a hold of this stuff, and uh, it, it was it was really important to talk fast. That was great. I, I think as far as memorization. I really had to cram sometimes. I really, really worked it. But, but again, I think someone said it earlier. I, Lauren said it. When, when the scene is right, when the when the the words are right, they have an ebb and flow, and and it, it is almost like a song. It's like music, and then it, it pops back and forth between characters, and it all makes sense. So I think what you start to do is you start listening to the music of it because it is fast. It's, and, and you know, one of my favorite things about this show always was that it was so deeply funny, and it was like, did you get the joke? Didn't get it, moving on, you know? <laughs> and so you really had to be intelligent to enjoy the show properly. And that thrilled me, because we have, I mean, see, you're all like really, really smart. Isn't that awesome? You know? Smartest audience ever! <laughs> How many of you had pop culture references go over your head? Oh, I did. All the time. The only things I knew about, and I know you even asked me once when we were shopping at a department store, it was early on, and was it Betty? Who, who was it, uh, um, Amy? Was it oh, Betty it was Hutton? That, um, Be it was that, um, Betty... Barbara Hutton, yes, Barbara. and and Lauren, who has one of the most incredible minds I've ever met, along with Mrs. Sherman Palladino, well, Mr. Palladino, um, uh, she, uh, Lauren knows everything. I mean, she's really sharp. She's like, bam, 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 and we're we're. Uh, blocking the scene and we're going through it and we know what the camera's going to do and we've done it about four times, not not filmed yet, and Lauren for the first time said. I don't know who Barbara Hutton is. <laughs> and I went, I do. <laughs> now, now, she said it to me because I, I knew that reference, but all of the, I mean, some of the pulp culture, culture references, I then had to ask them because I, I had no idea who these people were. So, yeah. Alexis, is it true you had to ask Lauren uh, who the Waltons were? Um, yeah, I think she contributed the information to me because I, I probably was a little lost. I, I probably know, looked a bit lost. You didn't know the Waltons and you didn't know, not, maybe Little House on the Prairie or James Taylor, is that possible? Anyway, well, no, either way. I knew either the way. I did not know the Waltons at all. 
It made me feel old. And weirdly, the house that we shot on the back lot as your house was a Walton set. Oh, no way. So that's another layer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Hi, y'all. Um, I was just wondering, um, other than the character that you all played, who is your favorite Stars Hollow personality? Kirk. Kirk. I, I loved uh, Rose Abdu, Gypsy. She, to, to, I thought it was so brilliant to make a woman the town mechanic. It, it was just flawless, and I, that was, so I, thank you. And you know, we miss our Sean Gunn here. He's out of the country, but Kirk was one of, one of our favorite comic mouthpieces, and uh, he and was he, he was He's doing a movie, and he literally wrote me an email that said, I would fly in, but my doctor told me my lungs would explode because of the altitude, and I'm worried that might happen, so I can't. And I'm like, he can't be lying about that. that that's just too Sean. So he, he really wanted to be here, but he's in Bogota. I, I thought Taylor was a pretty necessary character. Um, there needed to be a bad guy. I have the shirt. I think it was a, maybe a Christmas gift for the cast. It says a film by Kirk. I almost wore it here today. And I think that black and white video of Sean Gunn doing... It made me laugh harder than possibly anything I've ever seen. Just knowing Sean and then watching the film of him kind of doing crazy things, it makes me laugh thinking about it. I should have worn the shirt. Did you all lift anything from the set before the show went off? We didn't know it was ending. <laughs> we, I would have stole so much. We've got the original Stars Hollow sign in our house. The outdoor one. I've got Jess's leather jacket. My, the glasses that I actually wore were my glasses, and they still have them there. So I actually, it was actually negative for me. John, they have my glasses too, and that was from like seven seasons. I, I want my glasses back. So last question. Oh, dang, the pressure. Like, I don't already have my heart pounding, so. All right, first I want to thank you for three things. Um, I'm a sophomore English teacher and I show your, sh I shouldn't say this, but I quit, so. I show, <laughs> they can't fire me. I show your shows all the time just because of the dialogue. I mean, you have so much illusion, assonance, consonants, uh, alliteration, puns. There's so much I use all the time. The second thing would be the Gilmore Girls Reading Challenge, which I don't know if any of you had tried that, but oh my gosh, it is so hard. And then what's it's even harder? Something like 337 books. It's all the it's books insane. that Rory read uh, over the course of the series. It's insane and expensive, but harder than, <laughs> harder than that is probably the Gilmore Girls drinking game. <laughs> it's on Pinterest. Uh, 20 minutes in, you're feeling good. But, uh, what do you drink yeah, on? Like, Trivia? Uh, anytime you're sarcastic. So. Anytime I'm sarcastic? <laughs> anytime, uh, like, Emily says, where is that maid? <laughs> but really, I do have a question, I promise. Um, I wanted to ask the cast, was there ever, because you guys, uh, you seem to associate with your characters quite well. Was there ever a time where you got your script and you were just like, fuck. And you just looked at it. <laughs> 
and you were like, kind of like, oh, does my character have to do this? Um, just like maybe you were disappointed in like a choice they made or something like that. I Anybody? Mean, I, I, no. <laughs> yeah, it happened a no, lot in no, season nothing, seven. No, no, nothing, nothing. It happened a lot in season <laughs> seven. <laughs> I'm joking about that. That's a total shade. joke. Yeah. Now, you know, one of the things I found, uh, you know, you, you, you make up uh, as, as you start a character in order to give it life for yourself, even if nobody's going to know anything, you, you make up a backstory for yourself to justify your behavior and all that. And the amazing thing is, as the years went on, I would get a script and there would be a reference, which was exposition in the, you know, three years into it. And it was spot on exactly what I'd been thinking the whole time. And I go, I mean, it was just thrilling to think that we were so attuned to, I think you, you had, you've had that experience too. I mean, it was exactly what was going on in my mind that I never mentioned to anyone and out it comes into script. I used so to feel great. like I, my life was being robbed because I, I would have like, a, you know, a breakup and then I'd have an episode about a breakup and like, it, it couldn't have, she couldn't have known necessarily in the amount of time. I think one of the things we all feel and felt about this show is the characters felt even, they felt so real and so consistent and so um, unique. And so through that kind of gift and through that kind of um, lens, everything makes sense. Like I said, I didn't love, you know, Rory and I being apart, but it, the way it was done is exactly how it would have been for Lorelai. So it was very gratifying. For me, I, I would get that reaction, but it was because it was so difficult. I don't think as fast as everybody talks on the show. So it was always a big challenge. I mean, I don't even know how I got on the show. I think you all had to, you all had to read and test, and I swear to God, I just wandered into the studio. And, hey, what's going on here? Hey, put that guy over there. And then, honestly, it's it, mostly because it was so difficult, which, you know. And I was always amazed by Lauren and Alexis that they were able to do that. Uh, I had the pleasure of directing a couple episodes, and... And unfortunately, the only note is, okay, faster and funnier. Um, but it was always amazing to watch the amount of work that had to go into it. And to be able to spit it back so fast is incredible. Well, Amy, I, I do, Amy, I want to give you the last word on this. Just where, where the show, uh, you've earned it. I've been it. talking for three days. Just where the show lives kind of in your, you know, in your heart right now of all the things that you've done. You get one, I think, sometimes in a career. You get one. You get that thing where you can go, okay, you know what, if everything else fails, if I wind up like a big dumb drunk in, a, you know, in, the, in the gutter saying, I used to be a writer, you know, <laughs> at least I got this because when, I used to say it all the time when I was at Gilmore, I, I literally said, it's all downhill from here. Like there's, no, there's just no way I'm gonna top this experience, this cast, you know, this leading ladies here, it's just not gonna happen again. And that's okay, because that's what this business is. This business is some people get lucky and some people don't, and God, I got so lucky, so. Just one more question. Hi. 
Well, right now I'm very scared because three people I really don't know just told me to ask my question. Okay. Uh, but my question is depending. We will on not buy you beer. <laughs> well, really that's not what I was going to ask of you very much. But my question is depending on Laura and Scott's character and how they like reacted with each other in their relationship. Do you think they ever would have gotten married? On my character and Luke? Mm -hmm. Is that who you're asking? Yep. I think they probably did. I'm very pleased with that answer. Thank you, I'm very pleased with your question. Thank you guys, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you all very much. This season of The TV Campfire is produced by ATX Television Festival in collaboration with Anthony Luciani and AJ Myers. For more information on this year's festival, go to atxfestival.com or check out our social media at ATX Festival.